11 o'clock comics episode. Ooh, David, instead of the woohoo, do you want to do a ho ho? Nice. Yes. All right, let's do I love this. It. Ho, 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 ho. Yes. <laughs> Especially the Jewish guy doing it. I love it. That is awesome. Ho, ho. Yes, you know, I never say anything about hoes. Go ahead. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> no. hoes down. Three, two, and one. 11 o'clock comics, episode 88. Nice, that was quite festive. That was beautiful. I love that Jason is probably loves Christmas more than, than most children. Which oh, I love Christmas so much. I am beaming over here. I'm so And you're an atheist. And Christmas has long been a pagan holiday. <laughs> you know, I watched BBC America last night, and uh, they were talking about the uh, uh, kind of explosion in, uh, in pagan religions in the UK. Oh, I'm, my tongue's going to be black and blue by the time we're done with this episode because I'm going to be biting it every two minutes. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hater. I, I do not hate it. Santa Claus hater. I don't hate anything. I don't hate anything, and especially Christmas, Xmas. Hey, everybody, look at this. It's 11 o'clock comics. I'm Vince B., and I am wearing my special holiday pantalones here for the season. Uh, turkey, turkey eating pants. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, panties? Pantalones. Oh. That, that's a Spanish word for pants. Oh. Yes. Um, I'm Christopher Neesman, and I'm wearing my, um, my bright red St. Louis Cardinal pajamas. It's a true story. Okay. They have the little barn door in the back. <laughs> I love those pajamas with the little... Whoop, I'm done. Stay warm. Uh, I'm David Price. And I am Major Domo. No, you're not. Not at all. You know who you are? You are the unbearably festive Jason Wood <laughs> in the house. Ho, ho, and, ho. And we have a surprise for everyone. Big surprise. Joining us this week... We have the man with the PhD in pigment, the, the the guy I like to call Dr. Hugh. I've been thinking about that all week. Oh, boo. No. Boo. Is it? Come on. That's gold. Capital boo. G on that one. Hugh, you, you like me now. Dr. Hugh. You've seen his work gracing the pages of Criminal and Incognito for Marvel Max, uh, X-Men First oh, Class. Icon, icon, icon. Yes. I Yeah, I just buy them. I don't look yes, at the imprint. <laughs> uh, Battle Pope, Black Panther, Irredeemable Ant-Man, which was one of the best series in the past 50 years. Age of the Century. Uh, what else? X-Men Deadly Genesis, Iron Man Armor Wars, a whole mess of stuff. He's also a writer. Yes. And president of MV Creations. You know him as Val Staples. Yes. Yes, you are awesome. Yes. So nice to have you here with us. Yeah, well, uh, thank welcome you, aboard, I, Val. The bribe was well invested. Yes. <laughs> nice. Such I kind words. And kudos to that battle pope mention. That 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 gives you a little extra uh you know, a little extra place in my book here. Oh, I love yeah. the battle pope. Anything Ooh. that's sacrilegious like that, come on. <laughs> you're in my you're in my wheelhouse. And as usual, 
This episode has been sponsored by DCB Comics. That's DiscountComicBookService.com. I'm messing it up already, and you know what it's you know what it's because of? It's it's because of Val's gift, and we'll get to that in a couple seconds. This episode. Yeah, has been sponsored by DCB Service, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. If you're tired of paying retail for your books, you can get them at a significant discount. Just type it in your web browser, DCBService.com. Look at what you can get for your dollar. 35 45 55 75% off some stuff, delivered right to your door in gem spanking mint condition. They have the best deals in the business if you want to get your books online. Yeah, so DCBService.com, awesome. Yes. Good people. Um, Val figured it out. 87 episodes, and he he was, I guess Mike Sims figured it out too. But if you send us booze, we'll let you on the show. <laughs> that does work. And I'm sending booze every week. And I, I received a, a wonderful present from uh, one Mr. Val Staples that my wife um, said that's about the only thing the stupid comic book podcasting has ever got us. Ouch, and, uh, Marta. <laughs> wound me. So, but I had to protect it from her because she was going to drink. But, but Val sent me um, one of my favorite bourbons. It is one that I don't uh, drink that often because it's, it's really nice. Um, and it's and it's it's kind of it's kind of pricey. So Val, thank you very much. He sent me a uh, a pint of the Buffalo Trace, which is a wonderful ninety proof uh, bourbon. It is uh, really uh, really highly regarded bourbon circles. It's one of those uh, uh, critically acclaimed bourbons, and I am enjoying it. Uh, in I, normally I would have this have it neat. And and I will drink the rest of it, neat. But uh, because Jason has been so f- um, festive, I decided to mix my Buffalo Trace with a little uh, eggnog tonight. Ooh, nice! Oh, there you go. <clears throat> nice. Okay. So thank you, Val. Oh, you're quite welcome. That was um, now for those taking score. That was gift number one. Uh, Jason, uh, I too uh, was the recipient of liquor from Val. Uh, and I also received uh, the same type of bourbon, which uh, it, it's it's fascinating because uh, Chris is a bourbon aficionado, as most of our listeners know. I am uh, pretty much a bourbon virgin, um, save from uh, you know, I guess uh, some some Jack and Cokes over the years. Um, oh, so man. I. Dude, that's that's Tennessee whiskey. That's not even bourbon. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a bur- like I said, I'm a bourbon virgin. So I have sitting here, uh, I have a. Uh, a glass full of bourbon. I'm going to drink it neat because uh, it's my first, and I figure I should uh, just experience it. And I have yet to taste it. I figured I would taste it uh, on the air and uh, see what kind of mouthfeel we're dealing with. So wait, now, on. wait, okay, wait okay. a minute. When you well, say on, glass of bourbon, okay, how big now, is this glass? You, you need to know how to do this, Jason. Well, I, I still want to hold know hold how on. big the glass is. Is it like six ounces, eight ounces? How big? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a highball glass. Now, now is it on the rocks? Or do you have straight up? Straight, okay. Just now, there. now you may want to throw. It's a ninety proof, so you're on that mm-hmm. that cusp there that you may want to cut it down or chill it. So feel free to drop an ice cube in there. But whenever you drink bourbon, I mean, there's kind of a process to it. You have okay. to you have to nose the glass and kind of get you know a, a good snout full of the of the aroma of the bourbon. I've smelled it uh, quite a bit. It smells great. Oh, it's fantastic. It smells uh, it smells sweeter than I expected it to. Well, that that's that's one of the um the great parts about bourbon is that because it's it's um, aged in a new charred oak barrel it, it has uh all of the the 
caramelization from the inside of the barrel where they've charred it, and so it pulls all those sugars out of the wood oh. and and the and the char on it, and that's wow. part of the reason why why bourbon is so sweet. But um, so so you, you nose that glass and 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 really smell it, and and you know it it will you know open up on you, and then whenever you whenever you uh, you take that first drink, you kind of fill your mouth with the bourbon. I mean, not huh? like fill fill it, but you know enough to enough to coat the entire inside of your mouth, and then you do. And the, well, um, Val, you know what the Kentucky Chew is, right? Uh, no, <laughs> that's, that's, the, um, that's where you kind of you kind of chew on the bourbon. You you allow it to you know fill up your mouth and coat your mouth, and so you just kind of chew on the bourbon and, and get it all around your mouth. And that's what they mm-hmm. call the the Kentucky chew. And uh, and then um, swallow the bourbon, and then just kind of wait for a second or two and just enjoy the the finish of it and a really good bourbon will have a nice long finish that you can kind of continue to taste the bourbon and and enjoy it you know for for you know up to like a minute or so all right and before long you'll be doing the kentucky crawl yes yes you know know, i I, i'm not talking out of my ass this This, is true this was taught to me how to drink bourbon by fred no who and he would know otherwise known as doctor um jim beam's great grandson wow aha uh-huh. yeah jason you got to nose it like humpty in the burger king <laughs> oh in the burger king bathroom <laughs> i'll tell you what so we don't have dead air uh and val thank you very much that was very very thoughtful of you um very i will uh, go about this whole uh or process that chris has just walked me through while uh while the King and uh, Vince are talking about their uh, drinks and gifts. Right. Okay, King Dap, how about you? I, too, am enjoying some Buffalo Trace. Uh, thank you very much, Val. I am. Uh, I had the Silk Nog all set, but you know what? I haven't had a, uh, a whiskey or a bourbon sour in some time, so that's oh, what I am nice. enjoying tonight, and it is, uh, it is extremely tasty. It does make a nice mix. It does. It does. It really does. So we're cool. we going we to try and do, uh, do the bourbon road? The spring Val? I want to. I uh, getting Tony in there would be awesome. Yeah, that'd that would be fantastic. That would be great. I, uh, it's about the time my wife's graduating from school, so I'm gonna try and con her into a into a, a bourbon road trip. We've been wanting to do it for years, so that would be just awesome. Let me know when. We'll get together and do it. As long as I don't have a deadline, I'm down for whatever. <laughs> we'll have to go to the, the Buffalo Trace uh, Distillery because I've heard it's uh, I've heard it's awesome. It uh, is beautiful, Mr. B. I think you're you're the one uh, you're the one change up for us. Yeah, on, on the yeah. Drink I'm drinking Pepe Mac, but mm-hmm. but <laughs> and there, here's where the big but comes in. I received a case. The man is crazy of Pepe Mac, but al- uh, along with it, there was a bottle of uh, Captain Morgan rum. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm a, I'm like Jason. I'm a virgin to this stuff, uh, so I didn't know how much to put in. So I'm drinking about, uh, and I started it before the show, <laughs> and I feel, the, <laughs> I feel the stupid coming on. Uh, it's about an eight-ounce glass. I put about um, a, th- a third of it of, of the rum. Oh, yeah. Respect, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Right. And I uh, fill it with, with Pepe Mac. Now this, I, I think we should name this drink. I don't know if there's such a thing as Captain Morgan and Pepe Mac. So how about we call it a Morgan Mac? A, Mor- oh. a Pepe Pirate? Peppy Pirate. Yeah. Peppy Pirate. Peppy <laughs> Pirate. You're not as creative with your drink names uh, as you are with your... Well, uh, I'm, I'm not a drinker, dude, but this is really tasty. I like it. It's got like go. a little bit of cinnamon going on. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rum and Coke, rum. baby. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, it's I'm really good. I'm moving on my Jason. I'm moving on to the neat. I've 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 finished up my uh my uh bourbon and uh and eggnog. So now I'm 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 rolling with it straight. So yeah. well, oh, it's good I just started. I felt like I'm behind here. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Val, what, what are you drinking? I I broke out something very special tonight because mm-hmm. uh, to share with you, gents. Um, I am drinking uh the Buffalo Trace Experimental Collection. Ooh, it's a 1993 huh. double barreled edition. It's uh, they age it for eight years in one barrel, and then before it uh, gets too old and picks up too many of the wood accents that you get later on, they uh-huh. rebarrel it in a brand new barrel and do it all over again for another eight years. Wow! So it's uh, it's it's one hell of a bourbon, I have to say. Wow! That wow! That is that. Is that really <laughs> probably the only thing that could make Chris speechless. Chris is excited. <laughs> that sounds awesome. It's it's it's, uh, a, it's a very limited and uh, it's 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 kind of hard to get a hold of, uh, but I've been begging them for experimental editions ever since I found out about them every year. So uh, this is the newest one. What's it, what's it like? Um, it's uh, imagine Buffalo Trace times two. So you know it's it literally is like that. Every uh, you get everything that you would in a traditional bourbon. Is it really super sweet or is it just intensified? It's just more intensified. It's, it has kind of the same sweetness, but I would say sort of the spice and uh, some of the caramel accents and what are intensified, but you don't have a lot of the leather or oak finish that you might get in an older bourbon. So hmm. it's really okay. nice. Yeah, so for like a – it's – yeah, that's that would be weird for a 16-year-old bourbon because mm-hmm. it's not going to taste like a 16-year-old bourbon. No, not at all. That's – ooh, I'm – I'm gonna have to track some of that down. I'm, I'm very uh-huh. excited. Boy, um, so so Jason, how you like it? It is delicious. It, it's it's shockingly smooth. I guess I was expecting. I've I've drank quite a bit of Irish whiskey over the years. That's mm. that's my whiskey of choice, and uh, Jameson mostly. But ah, um, uh, Jamie this man, was, yeah, this heart. way smoother than that. Uh, it, did, it didn't leave me sort of gasping that initial, you know, you, uh, you know, and he kicks back in you. Uh, it was like really easy. Um, it's good. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, geez, I, I guess I guess I better go first, so Jason don't get all drunk and kick me out of the box like last time. Uh, I'm starting to I'm starting to stop off. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't want to go first. I want to hear from Val. He's the guest. What's up? What, what, what do you? What, what's what's the comic universe of, of Val Staples? What's going on? Oh man, uh, the comic universe in terms of what I'm doing or what I'm reading. What? Uh, we'll probably cover both. What are you currently working on besides Criminal? Uh, let's see. Um, I just. Uh you know what? <laughs> I've been doing so much, I lose track of what's going on. You do do um, a lot of work. It's. Uh, I actually took a little bit of a departure. I'm uh, doing some uh, video game stuff right now, and oh, yeah? I have to give major props to the man, Mike Oming, for the uh, hookup on this. I'm working with him on something for Left 4 Dead. So it's, oh, cool. uh, I, don't, I don't think I can say too much about it right now, but uh, yeah. that's, uh, that's what I'm doing at the moment, and... I just finished up. Uh, it's actually it was. Uh, I have to say I was a little bit sad about this. Um, I finished up my last issue for the foreseeable future for uh, Uncanny X Men First Class. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's. I don't know. I, I. I don't really know the story. If they're bringing things to a halt because of sales, or more than likely because of the rumored First Class movie that they've got going on, but. Uh, this is the last issue that I've done, and uh, it was it was pretty much a, a bummer for me since I've been on the whole 
X-Men first class uh, series since its inception. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, did, you, um, did you color the, uh, the Parker series? Yes. yes oh, I did. I've, got, I've got all those in trade. I tell you, that was, um, um, and, and we'll talk on uh, some other X-Men stuff in a little while because I want to talk sword. Yay. X-Men first class has been pretty much my favorite X-Men series in, well, like since the 90s. Mm. And I, I'm with you there too. It was uh, sort of a, so and, and, and I have to say, this is kind of for me. Um, I kind of feel this way really about anything Jeff does. It's always sort of a breath of fresh air whenever I, mm-hmm. um, he does something. It's just uh, uh, I, I colored. I mean, just even go further back, some of his uh, Marvel Adventures, uh, Avengers stuff uh, that he wrote, and um, I, I was always impressed with how Jeff. It, it was weird, even for that. It's, it's more of an all ages story. And he would write an all-ages story that actually sort of contained instructional elements for children without, you know, rubbing your nose in it. It wasn't so much on the sleeve as it was uh, hidden in the dialogue or in what was going on. And I was, he always, I was always impressed with how clever he was with how he uh, structured things and wrote them. And it was a real, real treat for me to be involved in X Men First Class, which was uh, just so much fun and to, to have a story that was just not. Dark and depressing. It was a lot of fun. But well, you're you're a chameleon because your approach to yeah. color color art on X Men First Class is extremely different than your approach on Criminal. Where oh, yes. for that book it's more of a scientific um, approach, whereas on First Class it's it's more modeled. It's more it's more wide uh, mainstream friendly coloring. Let's just say I would uh, I would describe if I was to say it I would call first class bubblegum and uh, criminal okay. um, whiskey sort of my uh, uh, something I would hang in the Louvre you know it's 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 my yeah. uh, mm-hmm. fine art approach so it's a uh, you know first class is just uh, fun happy poppy colors that you know just you want to read it and, and criminal is all about just you mean know, I can tell you about you know my thought process and later if you really want to know but oh, I it's really. Know. It's not really about that. So the uh, the third issue. I'm sorry. The third issue came out today, right? Of the sinners. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I well, just hope Val, that pe- people are picking up on what you're doing with criminal. Uh, yeah, because I don't it's know. It it's on subtle. <laughs> it's all kind of. It all kind Vince, of Vince is going to tell you what you're doing with criminal. No, I don't. I want to hear it from him. But I know. Who's going to say something? Somebody's. Probably Jason. Yeah, no, I was going to say, Vince Vince kind of opened the door to the same thing I was going to ask you, which is that um, I think a lot of times when we think of of, um, of, of colorists, um, I, I think different different colors have uh when when you when you think of their name if you pay attention to the to 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 the to the work you often think of a particular style um that they're associated with and i think as vince just alluded your i think one of your strengths is that you're able to do books that are startlingly different in that perspective but i guess my question is from it seems like you know you work with with some of the same people um over the years so so when you're when you're kind of going at a book um like how do you go about deciding um how to approach it and, and i guess also how does like the writer um influence you in any way like do you do you kind of take a few different stabs at the first script or the f- pages and then do you ultimately just decide what you like and send it off or do you kind of collaborate with the you know the penciler and, and the writer at all and say hey which of these do you think works the best to accentuate the mood i mean how collaborative is, is your effort uh well it's you know the process always really depends more on really where the book's being produced. Like, mm-hmm. for example, if it's a Marvel book, 
um, you know, everything goes to an editor, and it's up to the editor to decide if they they want you to to collaborate with everyone as a team, or if they want to channel everything through them. You know, so that determines just how much of uh, communication you have with directly with the writer or the artist, and it's it, that's not meant as a negative thing. It's you know, that's that's business. That's how things are. That's how you're supposed to do it. Um, you know, it's their book. They're in charge of it. The editor is obviously the the hub at the center where the spokes of the wheel all come together. So, um, you know, they obviously know what it's going to look like and how it's going to come out. And if they don't feel you need to, to be in contact with somebody, you know, then you're not going to be. But uh, most of the editors, uh, you know, as long as you include them in the loop, you have you communicating with the art team. And what I like to do when I can is uh, all colorists now, this surprisingly, if you go back 10 years, it wasn't like this. But now all colorists will get the script. If you go back 10 years, you had to beg to get to see the script. You know, a lot of colorists would just work blindly, believe it or not. You know, it's a, I guess a lot of them were used to the old... Uh, what do you mean this is supposed to be a night scene? <laughs> well, it's, you know, all you had back then was paste-up lettering to work with, and as soon as it went into a digital age, there was no more paste-up lettering. So you mm-hmm. had no dialogue to work with and just had the art, and a lot of colorists would be like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this, so you, you know, ask for a script. But if you get the script, um, which nowadays is pretty much mandatory you know you read through it you, you get the mood and the feel from the dialogue clearly because the art always doesn't indicate exactly um uh, what's going on because it could be a day scene it could be a night scene uh, it could be a, a raging fire inferno in the background you don't know unless you're reading the script uh so that's important that lays the foundation just like it does with the artwork but then uh, stylized style wise in terms of um the colors uh, it's nice to get writer input, but you really want to hear from the artist. And what I like to do is I like to ask the artist, what do you have in mind? You know, is, is, there, is there someone who's done something that you like that I can look at? Or do, would you like me to try something? Or you know, can I just do whatever? And most of the time, surprisingly enough, a lot of artists are just do what you think is right. And when I get in there and do art, my first and foremost rule has always been um, don't obscure the art. I've always felt that colors should be uh, sort of secondary, that when you look at a book, you should see the artist. You shouldn't see me. Um, There's a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but there's uh, some books out there where the coloring dominates it. It's the coloring that really kind of makes the book. But I've never wanted to be that guy. Maybe I just don't have the talent to do it. I don't know to pull it off. But it's just always been my mindset that a color should be something that accentuates. It should add to it. It, You know, if, if, if you look at a book, if you look at Criminal, and you saw Val Staples and you didn't see Sean Phillips, then I, I feel I haven't done my job correctly. Uh, same thing with Roger Cruz or anybody that I've worked on recently. So, you know, that's, that's my mindset. And when I pick my style or whatever, if I have not been given any direction, sometimes I'll go and look at uh, what an artist has had done to their art recently. Mm-hmm. And if I feel it works, the style I'll sort of mimic or, or steer in that direction. Um, if I don't like what I've seen then I just ignore that completely. But most of the time, I just trust my gut. And whatever comes out is what I think works. And um, so far, it's panned out pretty well. It's just I just did what felt right. And if the artist didn't like it, they would sort of steer me in the right direction or um, you know, or otherwise they'd embrace it. But uh, that's kind of my mentality. I've always tried to be about making sure the art team is happy and just kind of doing what feels right and taking it from there. Hmm. Awesome. Yay. It's a lot different than it was way back when, when the color artists were just dropping down flat colors. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I've, the better colorists in the business are ones that can, uh, for lack of a better word, draw. 
I mean, because you know, you you have to know what happens when a when light hits a, a muscle the, in a certain way and where where the shadows fall and a lot more uh, modeling that goes yeah, on. Yeah, a, a lot of the work that I've seen recently, um, the penciler and the inker, they're leaving these huge spaces for the colorists to to work in, and and they're actually painting in details. Imagine McNiven as if they without, without Maury. Oh yeah, and, and Maury right. is, is, is right. Incredible, and you do a lot of that on uh, first class. You Not add like Maury though; he's uh, he's crazy. So. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, I hope I hope Steve McNiven buys Maury many many steak dinners every time. I, <laughs> yeah, I hope he does because yeah, Maury. I mean, th- those guys are. I, I don't even consider that a, um, a penciler um, colorist. I mean, they're an art team, and what don't it's forget a, Dexter as well. Yeah, Dex, Dexter does inks, right? Yeah. I mean, the, all all three of those guys together, I consider more of a team. Um, where where Val, I think, you know, and more more colors more than that. But I mean, Val, you you jump across so many different styles of of pencilers and inkers, and you know, it's I I didn't know that you would done X-Men First Class, I knew that you did Criminal, because I absolutely love the coloring in that, so different than the feel of X-Men First Class, so it's almost like a writer um, jumping across genres whenever you you don't notice. I think that that's a that's a testament to, to you as a colorist that you can that you can work different books like that, and it, it works really well. Criminal is a is a is a really different experience too. It's um I I really felt that uh, Criminal to be quite honest, opened the door for me to to be a better colorist. It, uh, I mean, let's let's. I mean, the 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 honest truth with Criminal is that it does not need color. It is a noir book. Uh, it's it's very stark and contrasty and uh, stands alone by itself in inks. Uh, Sean doesn't need me. So uh, if I'm going to put something on that book, if I'm going to color, there has to be a reason to do it. Because if, if I don't need to be there, then why do it? So um, I didn't really feel comfortable kind of letting go and doing what I wanted until about, I would say it was the sixth issue in. If you go back and look, you, I think you'll see sort of like there's this place where things kind of take a shift. And um, I'd never really been on a book where uh, I kind of had that kind of freedom. I, I guess I did, but I didn't really embrace it because uh, – I'll give you guys a lot of boring little story here, if you don't mind. Um, is that okay? Is it, oh, that's great. Of course. Is, is <laughs> I, feel, I feel kind of selfish here rambling on about myself. Um, when, when I first started working in, in comics, um, digital coloring was sort of, that was what was really sort of taking, or had really taken foot. Uh, it was sort of preceded by uh, uh, Wildstorm FX with Laura and, and everyone that worked there that really sort of developed this whole explosion of color because prior to that with uh, extreme effects or whatever it was with the image stuff it that really wasn't that great they were, they were trying something new they were limited by technology but it was like when they got to adobe photoshop 3 they could really actually manipulate color and work with it in terms of a, a more uh, uh, applicable process that made sense that things really started to develop and um, the same thing with liquid. Liquid was, was mind-blowing and opened a lot of doors for how people colored and approached it. But a lot of the mentality still at that point with a lot of the older editors was uh, it's kind of a by-the-numbers routine. Uh, if you go back to the old flat color method, which is beautiful and had you know, if, if a lot of 
a lot of gorgeous things have been done with that limited palette and are still done today that just people have never replicated in terms of color theory. But, um, you know, the, it was still a sort of a by-the-numbers thing. People expected characters uh, to be a certain way. Editors expected them to be represented a certain way. So when I was getting into to digital coloring, um, the two worlds were sort of colliding. You had this uh, uh, a more artistic era of colorists that were kind of coming out to the surface where coloring was more of an art form and, and really lended to the artwork. And then this, this attitude where colors really were just sort of, you know, from a, a lot of production standpoint, just there. You know, they were, they, they were putting colors down so you knew Spider-Man had red and blue on him and you knew that the Hulk was green. So I dealt with a lot of instruction and uh, feedback and notes in my first few years of coloring that really damaged my way of thinking artistically. It, it, I was scared to experiment because I would always dreaded the corrections. This guy's not green enough. You know, you can't have him be tinted this way. Uh, why has Spider-Man got blue on him? Like when he's supposed to be red, it's, it's, it, it was scary. And like, I, it, it, it stuck with me for years because it's, it's kind of like, I guess the equivalent of being picked on when you're a child, it sticks with you years later. It's the same sort of thing. You, you can't get past it. So when I got to criminal, um, I, I really kind of hadn't, broken free with what I wanted to try to do. And it was sort of a two-fold process how it happened. Um, I was talking one time, uh, and, and I, I still don't, as, as long as I've known the guy, I still don't know how to say the last name correctly. Uh, John Rausch, I believe it is, um, who's a colorist. And uh, John is a, an amazing colorist. And he came into coloring a little bit later than me. But as far as I'm concerned, he's done more than me. He's, 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 a, he's a better colorist. He chooses better colors. Um, you know, he's really good at, at what he does. And I asked him one time, I was like, you know, the stuff you've been doing lately is, is phenomenal. These colors you're choosing, the things you're doing, and, 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 you know, how do you get away with that? Because I'm scared to try that. I'm scared to, to give it a whirl. And he's like, you know what? He's like, I used to be the same way as you, but one day I just said to heck with it and just did what I wanted wanted to do. And that's when the door started opening for me. And that really sunk in. I was like, you know what? Why don't I do that? And then just... Right, maybe I don't know. A couple months later, while that was sort of sinking into my head, and, and I was thinking about it, uh, Sean wrote me, and he was like, "You know, I like what you're doing, but I really want you to approach this more with, uh, you know, flat, flat tone values, and and uh, you know, work more with the color on it, and less about the modeling." And I did that for about one issue, and then the next issue is when I just said, "You know what? The hell with this. I'm going to do what I want to do." And that's exactly what I did. And my gut instinct from there forward on every issue of Criminal and every issue in Cognito has been about two things. Page composition and mood. Everything else means nothing for me on colors because that's why my mindset is if these colors are going to be here. They need to lend something to this art that the black and white is not providing them. So that has been my attitude. And Sean and, and Ed have been behind it 100%. And it really uh, made me feel better about myself, and I just started doing more and more and more of that. And uh, it actually, I think, has really kind of put me on the map in terms of people yeah. recognizing me as a colorist. So, yeah. how did uh, how did you get involved in criminal? I mean, when when Ed was first announcing the project, you know, he talked about how it was a labor of love for him and and for Sean, and and you know, please buy this so we can make more because we're not. 
you know, we're not. This isn't Captain America. I'm not getting paid. <laughs> this is what I really want to write. So exactly. please buy it. So yeah, it, it, so it's pretty much always promoted as as a as an Ed Baker and Sean Phillips book. But and and you bring so much to it. I'm just curious how you were involved in in the whole creative process. Well, I had uh, um, I had lots of. Uh, uh, Photos of Ed in um, nice. you know, sort of suspicious <laughs> positions and things he was doing, and I've been able to blackmail him for quite a while now. It's working out pretty good, I think. You know, I, I don't know why I'm not on, uh, you know, Captain America. Why I wasn't on that? Um, you know, I'm a little. I might have to step up my you know, my surveillance <laughs> photo. Yeah, you know, you you, t- you talk about um, uh, tone and, and the mood of stuff, and um, the way I the way I kind of think about color and 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 coloring in comic books is almost like the soundtrack for for a movie is that you know whenever you're watching a film it's the it's the soundtrack that can that can really set a mood and and move things along almost almost on a subliminal level i was watching a, a jaws this last week and i watched a documentary and they had screened that movie without the john williams soundtrack and it it bombed really? um yeah yeah they they it was you know the one of the final cuts before they had put the soundtrack and and a few other scenes in and and the, it it the movie just didn't work, and you know I, I look at coloring in comics as almost like the soundtrack that you have to score that that book if, from a color standpoint to set mood and tone. It's it's not like you're pacing it, but you know, there's you know you're talking about criminal where yeah you, you say it doesn't need color. I think it does need color, but it needs it needs kind of a, a soft touch to it it needs to it needs to set a a dark and moody tone in certain parts of it so you know it's i don't know do you do you am i way off am i crazy no, no, thinking I'd, of it like that I'd, I'd say that's a that's pretty accurate analogy i mean that's um you know coloring is you know there to bring things to life that the black and white might not necessarily have done and that really would be um, mood and uh, um, uh, depth and atmosphere and uh, composition and flow. So it's it's um, I, I, one of the notes that uh, or comments you'll hear a lot from editors uh, at Marvel, and this is a good thing, is that uh, they specifically want the colors to indicate uh, scene shifts. So uh, they they want to do exactly what you're talking about, where it's it's sort of a, a change in the score, where the music changes, um, where the scene changes, or changes uh, what's going on, and that's um, you know very important. It can you know sometimes, especially um, if the art doesn't make it absolutely clear, uh, it it can come in very handy. I mean, I, if if there's um, uh, multiple scenes spliced into a couple pages where things are changing in rapid succession, uh, color coding it in a way really does come in handy to make sure that the reader always keeps track of where they are and what's going on. Uh, and it allows the artist, I would say, a little bit more freedom in terms of making sure they don't always have to establish exactly where you are every time. I mean, I always think that you know a, a good artist will be sure to establish where you are and keep the reader uh, in tune and in focus like, you know, like, like Frank Whiteley does on, on like his projects. Um, but you know, it's, I think coloring does, you know, with a good colorist, like you're saying, does give you a little bit of that freedom and, sure. and to backtrack, uh, to, to be serious, uh, how I, how I ended up on criminal. Um, I think with a lot of, a lot of things in comics, it's kind of one of those being in the right place at the right time type of scenarios. Um, I was, uh, at the time I was working in a studio with Robert Kirkman 
and uh, Robert had been chatting on the phone with Ed numerous times, and Ed was on the phone with him one time and said, I'm looking for a colorist for this thing I'm doing. Do you know anybody? And Robert's like, I know somebody who's right here. And, you know, the next thing you know, I was on the phone talking to Ed about coloring it. And um, it, it was really weird because I had just colored uh, that uh, the X-Men Deadly Genesis miniseries that Ed had oh. written. So um, he, he knew who I was because I just worked with him. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know who that guy is. Yeah, he was easy to work with, and I like what he did. So... You know that's that's kind of how it panned out. You know, and uh, yeah, you know, which and, and of course X Men Deadly Genesis was also a right place at the right time. I, I, uh, uh, my good friend and uh, uh, also artist Emiliana Santalucia, who did a lot of the work on the He Man stuff, the He Man comics we published, uh, was here visiting. We went to New York City for a day. We were in Manhattan, and on a whim, I was like, oh, "Let's see if we can get in the Marvel offices and say hi to people." So I called. We came in. Uh, we're talking to people. Mark Panisha was there, and he goes. Uh, Val, would you be interested in coloring this book? I'm looking for a colorist. And I was like, sure. And it was X-Men Dilly Genesis. And if I had not been there in Manhattan, I'd probably not have worked on that. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. You still need the bullpen. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of my enjoyment, <clears throat> excuse me, of Criminal comes from peeling apart your process. I, I love the story. I love the characters. The art is fantastic. Uh, Sean Phillips's art. But I just geek out on trying to figure out how you do things. Mm. It, it may be a little weird, I know, but but the science of color is is <laughs> the, the the color science is very a, a theory and is very important to me. To make somebody feel a certain way based on color is is amazing, and I, I love it when I, and I, I've looked at your work so much that I know when it's coming, and I get kind of giddy when I see it. <laughs> we'll have we'll, we'll we'll have a scene in a back alleyway at night. And mm-hmm. and you're you're working with this tertiary color scheme, uh, low chroma, low value colors, and then I know it's coming. Then bam, you'll hit them with like a, a split complementary theme where you'll throw in this screaming uh, orangish yellow, and I and I I get happy when I see it because like oh my god, I understand this. You're explaining all my secrets. What's going <laughs> on? I'm gonna have nothing left. Uh, oh, I'm but, ruined. No, it's 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 nice <laughs> no, to no, knowing knowing how to do it and actually being able to right, do it. Right, two right. different things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can teach somebody to draw, but if they don't have that innate sense, True. it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. And, and Ted, and Ted I, Williams can tell someone how to hit a fastball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. But I I appreciate the th- as a as a consumer of these things. I appreciate the thought that you put into creating comics. That's just what I wanted to say. Well, I appreciate it. Did um, I, uh, for just for um, laughs. Uh, I mean, I, I'll post it on the forum. Uh, a reason to go to the eleven o'clock forum. Where is that located, Vince? Ah, I'm glad you. Nice. Well it done. It's very good. Smooth. Somebody's angling one for oh, a job. I love it. That uh, you can find our wonderful forum at forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com or newfangled way www.11oclockcomics.com and there's a little button at the top of the menu thing that says form click on that and you'll be transported into Nuttyland Crazyville <laughs> tell me how I'm wrong <laughs> <laughs> in a very unsophisticated way yes of course you guys and your dialoguing with other fans <laughs> fans <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, uh, what, I, what I'll do is on the forums is I'll post a link um, 
I mean, for anybody that, that's interested, I did a little piece um, on DeviantArt that I posted where I took a snippet of a panel, or snippet of a panel, a snippet of a panel from a page of Criminal where I explained uh, the walkthrough of colors. And it, it shows um, a lot of what you're talking about, Vince, where it's um, at first glance, you know, it just seems like some colors, but I go into explaining the various stages of like how much is going on in that one little panel and why all the colors are staged the way they are. So I will post that up and give a link to it, and it's a pretty detailed explanation. And I think it, uh, you know, for anybody who is interested in colors and color theory and, and kind of wants to know why or, or why I'm thinking the way I am and, and how they may possibly be able to better their own thinking in terms of color approach, they can check that out. Yeah. Mm, awesome. That's why we call him Dr. Hugh. Oh, that's why Hugh calls him oh, yeah. Dr. Hugh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like this, you, mentioned, this... you mentioned He-Man a couple of times. Yes. Yeah. Let's hear about that. <laughs> what would you like to know about He-Man? You, you're like one of the preeminent uh, He-Man uh, fans and aficionados, right? Yes. yes if if there was a torchbearer for Eternia, you are it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I thought it was She-Ra. I, I could yeah. be. Well, that's, that, that's who Vince has a torch for. But uh, Okay, okay. <laughs> that's, uh, if, you, you know, if you knew how many of those He-Man figures I own, you, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> you would plots. I have I have oh, a lot. I have many. I really? My, my yep. brother had more, but yeah, I mean, after a while, I just started playing with them. And, and mm-hmm. yeah. well, I need to I need to pimp uh, my other my other show. Um, Val, if you ever have a chance, go back and listen to our. Uh, we, we did two, I think, uh, um, two shows with Don Glute. Oh, who, who the had, man himself, who started out with the uh, mini comic. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he basically was the the guy that they kind of hired to to write some of the original stuff. He was. Did, did he um, talk about the He-Man stuff? Oh yeah. Um you know it what, was what really uh I'll tell you, uh, just do a, uh, a Google search for I'm going to uh, um, since you, since you uh, mentioned He-Man, I'm going to post this uh, for He-Man fans since you've just uh, on he-man.org. Um, hey. what, what, what's the name of your show? How can they find it? And what episodes uh, are those? Aroundcomics.com and just do a Google search for Around Comics, Around Comics and Don Glute. Um, it, it was really kind of funny though because do you know Tim Seeley? I do very well. Tim, it, well, you should because Tim is also a huge He-Man oh, yes, he Masters of the Universe fan. He's got a, a new comic coming out from uh, Image um, called uh, uh, Colt Noble and the Megalords, which is very, very Masters of the Universe inspired. <laughs> that um, sounds, that sounds awesome. Yeah, oh, and it looks it looks great. But uh, Tim was super excited that we were going to have Don uh, recording with us. Don's from Chicago originally, and came in to to the store just to talk to Don, and was super excited. And was I think heartbroken whenever we started talking about Masters of the Universe, <laughs> and Don was like, "Yeah, it was just a job." Oh yeah, and that's you know, we we find that with a lot of uh, creators. It's um. It was, uh, you know, I, I haven't uh, had the, the fortune of talking to Don myself. Um, I know a fan, um, oh, and I, and I apologize to him if I'm not saying his name correctly because I'm sure I'm not, but I believe it's Matt Joswiak. Uh, he did this uh, really long interview with Don uh, Don Glute, which I think is actually on uh, Don Glute's website. I believe it's donaldfglute.com. Yep. Um, where it was a really in-depth uh, interview with him about uh, working on the mini-comics and whatnot. Because uh, Don, 
Um, those original mini-comic series, uh, a lot of fans call that universe the pre-Turnia universe, which is um, it's more savage, uh, more more sword and sorcery based. Uh, it, it a lot of it got tossed to the wayside structure-wise when uh, the filmation cartoon came on. But there are a lot of uh, old school fans, and surprisingly, a lot of artists who are He-Man fans who really prefer that original sort of tiny little canon that came that Don wrote. And uh, there's there's a lot of people who have a soft spot in their heart for that story. You know why you know why it's called Castle Grayskull? Um, I've heard several stories about why it's called Castle Grayskull. His um, uh, his first wife. I think her her maiden name was Gray, mm-hmm. and so um, that's that's kind of where he pulled the name from was from her maiden name, and that it looked like a skull, so it was yeah gray from skull. his uh, from yeah. his wife and then something about uh, also how the the original prototype of the toy kind of looked gray as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think that he even knew what color it was because it's green in yeah. the in the cartoon. Yeah. And well, I always wondered why it was called Gray Skull because yeah, and I did too. It's green. Kid. I, I well, it's because his 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 wife's maiden name was Gray, and so that's he called it Gray Skull. So that's yeah. We we go over all that all that stuff in the interview. So uh, yeah, check, check Chris, I'd love to hear what you think of it. Is Chris, Santa on his way? Oh, yeah. Santa's that's Santa's uh, dog. That's yes. Yeah, Santa's little helper is sitting next to me. Uh, j- j- just so Chris is aware of what goes on on his other show, there uh, Don was on three episodes. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank uh, you. One ninety three, <laughs> which is titled "What If," where he talks about his uh, "What If the Atlas Era Became the Avengers." Mm-hmm. I remember that episode. Uh, the Vampire Strikes Back, where he talked about his movie. Yes. And uh, two fifteen was your New Year's episode done with computers and real blood. That's a that's we called that the uh, um, the angry old men uh, episode. <laughs> that, was, that was with Hillary and uh, and Don and I forget who else was on that, but we were basically that's... just talking. It was ang- angry old men episode. But uh, I, yeah, I right. just started going back through the uh, you know through the all the archives of you know. Around comics, so I, uh, to, I'm sure I'll virtually work my way back to it. And I apologize that uh, I wasn't listening to that show already. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm really fine. bad about keeping up with. Uh, oh, he's a man of taste. It's, it was, it's <laughs> good. It's, like, it's well, un- but, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that he waited so long to listen to the episode. I guess I can be blamed for for that. <laughs> of course, <so>. of course. <laughs> you know, it, oh, it never go ahead, go ahead. never ceases to amaze me the impact that He Man has had. Uh, on on our on our culture because I'm uh, a big fan of uh, I hate to use this term but you'll get it immediately when I say it urban vinyl high priced designer toys yeah. and th- there's a tendency to rework or original molds with different color schemes and invariably every time a, a new mold a new color for a mold comes out they'll use the he-man colors one figure will be like orangish and tan and the other one will be bluish with purples and they'll call it like the he-man theme or the eternia theme every single line of toys that i've seen has a he-man color scheme and it's like well, I, it's, I, 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 i'm always taken aback at just how much this show has pervaded and i'm talking like guys in their 40s and you know, thirties that just like geek out on He Man. It's it's it boggles my mind just how important this show is to a lot of people. Well, for me, I would say it was more the toys because um, it, it's I don't know if it's I mean I 
I don't believe in, you know, fate or any of that stuff, but I mean, sometimes you have to wonder just, you know, how your brain is working in the subconscious because when I was a, when I was a child, the thing that attracted me to He-Man initially was the colors Mm -hmm. and, uh, yes, hear me okay? Oh yeah, that's Vince. Yeah, Vince he's is getting uh, stabbed. Right so Vince can't Vince talk for a couple minutes. So he'll he's going. He's, he's off to Eternia. So yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it was it was the colors, and um, especially in the uh, it, it's one of those things. It's it's like the original He Man. Um, it's I love all of He Man. I love the the new, the old, uh, the new adventures, everything that's been done. But there was something about the first few years of He-Man where there was some sort of like raw instinctual artist approach on things that just really wasn't quite there on the later stuff. They were still good but not quite as good and it, the way they used colors and the way they approached things, the, the way they, they had to reuse molds but did them creative, creatively and came up with concepts and, and, and the way things were put together was just ingenious and it was the, the fantastic You know, uh, there was lots of complementary color schemes, tertiary schemes uh, if you go back and look at it, it's it's amazing. And to go on another tangent, like uh, to follow what what Vincent mentioned earlier, um, no, no, it wasn't uh, it wasn't Vincent, <laughs> David. I think we used it, but uh, um, uh, what did you say about the? It was just a job. Oh um, yeah, Don. That yeah, he he just got paid, and you know that yeah. was it. It's not that so big of a deal to him. Well, it's it's like we've gone back and we've uh, met creators at cons, and we've done a lot of interviews with them over the years, and it's 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 amazing how many say that. But at the same time, even it's kind of a bummer to hear that. But at the same time, it's amazing just how many people um, have worked on He Man in some capacity that you know were great. And and the and the one story that I think for me. Is um, when I was uh, growing up, I-, I was really bad about checking credits on things. I-, I read comics, I loved them. I loved all the mini comics that came in He Man, I loved them, read them. Never checked out who the writers were, the artists, the editors. Um, I was really, I don't know, stupid. I don't know, but I-, I-, I didn't do it. And it was really fascinating, I think, more so as an adult to go back and start looking. At who these people were, because uh, when uh, Batman the Animated Series aired um, for the first time back in the '90s, I was instantly drawn to it, and I was just amazed at the, the quality and the look and whatever. And I was like, "Oh, Bruce Tim, who's this Bruce Tim guy?" And I go back and look, and Bruce Tim illustrated some of my favorite He-Man mini comics. Wow! Oh, so it's cool. like if you go back and look at he's and he was one of my inspirations as a child artistically, and and if you talk to him. He's kind of like, oh, you know, he doesn't want to talk about him, these E-Man comics that he worked on. Same thing, Mark Texiera. I, I don't know if I ever said the guy's <laughs> name. Right? Yep, his some of his the original He-Man mini comics done by him. Gorgeous stuff, and it's 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 outstanding. Just how many people have been tied into these things, just as a job, starting out or to pay the bills. No, it's, it's weird for me. The the whole Masters of the Universe is part of my like childhood soup of of animated stuff. It's right there with G.I. <laughs> Joe and Thundercats and you know, just just all of that all of that stuff of that of that era. And n- none of them really stood out more than more than another, but I think they're all equally important and and had a big you know, big impact on me and, and you know 
became tied to comics. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it's interesting to hear folks, you know, like yourself that, that really grabbed on to one of those and, and have kept your, your fandom alive for it. You know, it's, it, for, for masters, uh, for masters fans, what, what's coming out today? I mean, is there still stuff being produced? It's, um, these days it's, I don't know. It, it's tough to say. I mean, He-Man's, uh, they tried to restart it there in 2002, and I had the great fortune, uh, thanks to, you know, Heather Schneider and uh, Jeremy Padauer, who now uh, works at Jax, um, Jeff Walker, who's one of the, the VPs at uh, Mattel, who, who, who gave us the opportunity to do or work on a He-Man comic. And, um, you know, we were one of the people right there when they tried to do that reboot in 2002 that lasted basically through 2005. And um, they they really rolled out the red carpet. The Four Horsemen just did outstanding sculpts. The the 2002 line is, is just absolutely incredible. We tried to put our heart and soul into what we did with the comic. Uh, uh, Ian Richter, who headed up the entertainment and the cartoon, worked really hard with uh, Mike Young Productions and, the, and Gary Hartle and the team there to create this uh, really fantastic, great-looking new cartoon. They laid all the pieces and everything there, but it just didn't didn't click. Be it poor, you know, be it marketing problems or or bad air times, or the kids just didn't click with it. Who knows? So it's like He Man basically fell off the map, and just recently, um, the Four Horsemen have come back and are working with uh, a guy named Scott Knightlick at Mattel. And uh, Scott helped push through a brand new line uh, that's called uh, Masters of the Universe Classics. And Masters of the Universe Classics, for a lot of people, if you guys have, have seen it, um, it, it's kind of like the He-Man toy line, the way we would have loved to have had it as a kid. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of like taking the old toys and making them, just improving upon them. Whereas the, the, the reboot in 2002 was sort of a departure, this is uh, rooted in the, in the nostalgic feel and look at the classics. We're just making them better. And they are, they are awesome toys. But the problem is, uh, kind of like with a lot of things these days, um, it's older. So you, know, you only have a certain number of people that are into it. It's uh, marketed to a collector's market, so it doesn't really have a broad uh, uh, exposure to people outside of a, a niche audience. Um, so it's it's very limited. There's no entertainment property behind it right now, and I know a lot of things are probably uh, they they keep talking about doing a He-Man movie, but I don't really know what's going on with that. So I think a lot of things are probably in the holding pattern because of that. No doubt they want to do it because look at the success of the Transformers and and GI Joe did really well as well. I mean, it didn't do Transformers numbers, but it still did well. Um, you know, so I mean, hopefully there's going to be something new. But just right now, you've got these fantastic toys that are out there. And if you if you are a fan of He-Man and you're listening to this, um, or if you just like damn good toys, um, check them out because the Four Horsemen are just they are who, kind of the, who are the Four Horsemen? The Four Horsemen are a team of originally four sculptors who have expanded uh, to a, a couple more guys now in the team who originally worked for Todd McFarlane and McFarlane Toys. And they left, uh, I believe it was in the 2000 or 2001, to start their own little company. And one of their big breakout things that they worked on was the He-Man relaunch in 2002. And they have been busy doing a lot of stuff for Mattel ever since. They do a lot of uh, the, uh, the, the DC figures for them, for their, their lines. But the Four Horsemen, to me, now are kind of like what, what I was saying about those artists and creators in sort of the early days of He-Man, there's sort of this raw, artistic, just 
talent there that it just it comes through in everything they do, and and it's just the Four Horsemen just wow. I mean, you couldn't ask for somebody better to be working on a toy line, and it's just uh, you know I think it's them and kind of the people involved with it are just sort of why I stay a He-Man fan. It's like I, I have these artistic roots rooted in this uh, this thing I love for the, as a childhood, and now you have these uh, older adults who had sort of an appreciation who their artistic ingenuity is being placed back into it and creating once again this energetic, exciting thing that, you know, for me as an artist kind of gets me ramped up. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not just some nostalgia freak who's can't let go of his childhood and I want to run around with a power sword hanging over my head. It's, it, it, <laughs> for, for me, He-Man really was about the, the lore, the creativity, the, the, uh, the, 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 the mystery and this, it was just something about it. And the, I, I think I think you and Tim Seeley need to like go on like a, a weekend getaway. With well, each other. You know, let me let me tell you <laughs> a story about Mr. Seeley. It's, it's, it's um, like I, it's like I'm talking to Tim right now. He gets so geeked up about it. Tim Tim is an awesome guy and one of the nicest yep. guys in comics that I know. And um, you know, I, I, he knows I don't mean this bad, and he, he can punch me if, if he if he thinks I mean otherwise. He, he knows he can. But um, when we were first starting out with the He-Man license, um, you know, he, he pushed really hard to work on it. And his heart really wasn't that good then. It really, really oh, wasn't. yeah, yeah. I, I, he'd probably it, admit it, yeah. Oh, and it, it really wasn't. And, and it was a damn shame. There he is. I'm saying damn again. I apologize for that. Um, he, uh, later on, we, we, he contributed one cover to an exclusively dead. And my hope was that we would do something with him later on, like a, a mini-series, but the license ended up, you know, folding back up and they pulled the plug on it and didn't want to do any more licensing for He-Man, but it was like I I never got the chance to have Tim involved on He-Man like I really think he should have been, because like you said, Tim is a huge He-Man fan, and mm-hmm. um, I know he would have, his passion would have just... You know, oozed into everything he did on it. It wouldn't have and, just. Been and I'm some sure guy. that he's. <laughs> I think he's come a long way since then. Oh, his stuff now. It's just yeah. you know, and, and and I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, look at the opportunities he has. There, there, he's having the things he's working on. I mean, oh, he's he, doing, you know, doing Wildcats for, for yeah, Wildstorm now. I mean, it's. I hope it, you know, there's more stuff. I mean, at DC proper too. I hope that that's coming his way. But, um, you know, he's he's uh he's he's busted his chops and you know uh, had his uh you know done what he's had to do to get where he is and uh you know i just wish he-man could have been one of the things in his uh, portfolio but you know who knows maybe one well, day I, th- I think i think he he uh he kind of worked his way up you know another license pro- project yeah. um you know he and he and norton worked gi joe for a long time and it's in norton's another guy it was like it's one of those things where you know it's and we were all at this point somewhere if i if i go back i I, I, I want to tell you something, uh, another story here. <laughs> Mike Norton's early work, didn't really care for it, you know? But now that guy is freaking phenomenal. It's like, where'd this guy come from? And it's, it's, I think everyone's just like that. There's sort of some sort of raw talent there that it's in their passion. And as long as they stick with it and they continually improve, it just comes out. And and those are some guys. And, and, and I like to think maybe possibly I'm one of those guys because I also worked on the initial G.I. Joe issues and at Hi-Fi Color. (laughs) Oh, you're a uh, Hi-Fi guy? I was a Hi-Fi guy, and uh, I'm not really proud of it. As much as I I thought I was doing good on those books and I tried really hard, I look at them now and I'm like, 
oh, geez, what was I doing? I'm surprised Josh didn't fire us. You know, it's a, <laughs> you know, it's it, we tried really hard, and I, I, like I said, I thought I was doing good, but it was. I think it's that same thing, that sort of initial raw artistic impulse, and if you just keep trying, you keep improving, it just comes out once you kind of know your way around what you're doing a little bit better. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought up the Four Horsemen because I've I've been watching their work for a long time, and the thing that to me initially popped out about besides their meticulous attention to detail i think they captured the power of what he-man is supposed to be i mean their sculpt for that character just ripples with with power and it, i agree you you can be technically proficient and sculpt the human figure and it's cold it's lifeless but and that was the thing that in, initially about the he-man figures was like oh i was i was drawn to them but they all basically had that same pose Mm-hmm. You know that that squat kind of my arms are out. Look at me pose, and and the four horsemen came along and it was like, look at the the strength of this guy. All the muscles were there, and then yep. but there was something in within the figure that was really cool. And then I saw Beastman. I was like, oh, these guys are good. <laughs> are really you talking good. about you're talking about the 2002 line? Both of them, but the newer ones oh, are okay. e- are even more so. Well, a lot the, of I mean, Eric, uh, you know, Eric Treadaway is. I mean, they're all all those guys. You know, uh, Jim and uh, Cornboy and Shane and all those mm-hmm. guys. You know, contribute. But Eric, I would say Eric, you know, has contributed all sort of the most to He Man. But when it comes to you know what you like about that Beast Man and that uh, that He Man, you got to give props to Chris Dahlberg because mm. uh, Chris uh, did a lot of that, and he is um, he's rooted in a lot of traditional sculpting and um has uh, beautiful beautiful stuff he did this um head sculpt for uh zodak for the mm-hmm. 2002 zodak which was never used and it was um uh, a, a you know an african uh based ethnic you know uh origin for you know the, the head sculpt and it was gorgeous i mean gorgeous and it's it you know it didn't get used because they wanted to, to approach more of sort of a slightly more angular uh, 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 sort of influence on the, the sculpting style. But I mean, there's some of the things that uh, if you could see, I don't know if it's online or not, but it, if, if it is, I mean, you should check it out because those guys, woof, talent, talent, talent. Oh yeah, I mean, what does it mean when not only the fans realize they know the names of the people sculpting these toys? Mm-hmm. That's almost unheard of, but on the McFarlane board, it was a big deal when they moved on. Yeah, it was, and not a good deal. <laughs> no, it was like weeping in the aisles, and it's like, oh no, the horsemen are leaving because their work for McFarlane was really strong. I'm not, I'm not sure behind the scenes at McFarlane, like some of the people had that sort of weeping. <laughs> no, I mean the, I'm the fans. I mean, it might have been like gnashing of teeth, and then yeah, uh, <laughs> from a fan <laughs> from a fan perspective, I mean they were really sad to see those guys leave. Well, I don't blame them. I mean, these guys are just you know fantastic. They're great. Yeah. Val, for the uh, the people at, at at home listening that that might not realize, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the the major He Man site out there is He Man dot org, right? And that is That's that true. your 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 affiliated? You is that your site? Do you run it? I, I don't. Even... I, I own it, oh, but the man. I don't like to. I don't like to present it like like it's mine. Um, the fans make that site what it is. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, the fans who come, the fans who contribute. You know, it's there's always got to be some central guy like me sure. who's, who's there to maintain order and make sure everything's taken care of, and that's what I do. But I, I try to be very careful about how I present myself because too many people go around 
you know, taking a lot of credit for things they really shouldn't. And, and that's a site that wouldn't be there if the fans hadn't built it up. And I just happened to be a guy who was there to sort of help along along the way, you know, through the tough times on the site. And the fans have helped me in turn. And, um, you know, back when we were doing all that cross-gen nonsense and everything, they were there to help with that. So, I mean, it's, it's like a gigantic family. Uh, mm-hmm. I, they, I, I regard the fans uh, as, as like my second family because they, they are some of the best people I have ever met online, aside from the people at the uh, 11 o'clock uh, comics. Oh, club. very nice. Hey, there you <laughs> go. Awesome. Uh, be, before we move on to, from He-Man, the, the original line, what's your favorite figure? Uh, I, I, I mean, this, this is not meant to be a, a, a silly response. It really is all of them. I, okay. I love them all. If it, it's, um, I sort of liken them to flavors of ice cream. Uh, there's very rarely a flavor of ice cream I don't like. There's going to be flavors I like a little bit more than others, but they're all delicious. They're all fantastic. Uh, if I had to pick some characters that stood out for me overall as, as, as sort of my preferred ones that I would grab to play with first when it's all said and done, it would have been Web Store, Drag Store, and Mosquito. I'll have wow. wars at the end, which is odd, but um, you know, those, were, those were kind of my overall favorites by the time the whole line was uh, said and done for the classic line. Huh. Cool. Well, I, I like the horde the best, only because well, that I don't know. That's like drag store and mosquito. Yeah, that's cheating because I mean, they, but they had this unified kind of look. But mm-hmm. a, a single figure, Stinkor. I love that figure. Well, then you and uh, Jimmy Hayes from Graham Cracker Comics have a lot in common. <laughs> it it was a figure that smelled. I mean, besides it, it was you awesome. know, yeah, it, it, was, it was a it was skunk, great. but it it smelled. That was like. Oh my God! <laughs> to, to me, it was like the, a lot of the He-Man figures were like uh, the the '90s cover comic, yeah, comic gimmicks for covers right. done correctly. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was uh, they were all like each one had a different uh, gimmick or whatever, and they're always awesome. <laughs> Some were a little less than others, but they were all great. What was the name of the figure, the big green figure that would suck to anything that you leech? I had that on the back window of my car. Obviously, I'm, I'm older, so I, when I was buying the He-Man figures, I was of driving age, or better, let's just say, or better. And I had that thing on my car window for, like, months. I just drove oh, those around. suction cup uh, action figures were the hotness for a long time. Yeah, great mm-hmm. stuff. Great it never stuff. worked for me. I, I couldn't get them to stick to anything. Mine must have been faulty. Yeah, I, so I have a valve. we got to lick them first. <laughs> well, I would do that, too, and he would fall off about 10 seconds later every time. Uh, Leech was not one of my favorites. Now, you, you uh, broached the subject I want to hear more about, and I'm sure the other guys do, cross-gen. Mm, uh-huh. What went uh, wrong? What happened? With us in wanna, cross-gen or cross-gen in general? I was say, in you, in you, general. You, you, you want to maybe set it up for people that don't know the cross-gen story? I mean, yeah, that, 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 was, like, I, that was left holding the, the five-pound bag of crap. Well, well let, let's hear it from someone who lived it. Well, the, it's... um. It's one of those things where it's like, um, yeah, I think I had mentioned this to you guys either. I, I love telling this story, but I'm, I'm worried it's getting old hat at this point where people will feel like, man, Val's milking this cross-gen story again. Here we go. That's all he's got. <laughs> so, but it, I'll give it to you anyway because it's still a good story. It's, it's surprising, actually, um, how many people don't know the story now. I, I don't know. It's like I, I kind of view comics as this uh, – I hate to say it this way, but like aging fan base that like everyone's been there for years. But yeah, I meet people all the time that have nothing of CrossGen. It's like, really? You weren't there for all this? But with CrossGen, um, uh, in terms of, I mean, in terms of the company themselves, uh, um, you know, uh, Mark Alessi, guy with a millionaire billionaire, I'm not sure, 
started up his own company, wanted to become one of the top dogs in the comic industry, threw a lot of money at creating his own titles with sort of a coherent universe. Um, a lot of people theorize that he was a victim of trying to expand too fast. Um, but, uh, you know, and it's like I, I, yeah, you can go online and read all the horror stories of, of what people who worked at CrossGen said about actually working with Mark Alessi himself. Um, I didn't really know the man, so I can't, uh, you know, speak to any of that. But uh, there's just not good stories out there. But, uh, um, you know, like any businessman, um, you know, he's got a lot of money, but he runs a company, and he's not there to take a personal loss. So his company was constructed in a way to where it was, uh, I guess, self, uh, you know, took care of itself. So any money it loses is is crushed in losing, and if it goes under, then, you know, he's not going to be personally inconvenienced by that, which is, you know, how, uh, you know, corporations or whatever are structured for that very reason to, you know... Yeah, we will. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, um, you know, so that's how it went, and... um, we uh, uh, when we uh, at the time when we were doing the He-Man comic, we had done six issues at Image, and we had some problems um, with Image at the time that were very costly for us. And uh, I, no matter how I tried to make that right, it didn't seem like it was going to improve. And um, uh, at the same time, Crossgen was courting us to come be with them. And uh, every, I, I mean, we did a lot of research and we talked to a lot of people, obviously not the right places because apparently a lot of things were going on at the same time. But uh, it seemed like a, a golden opportunity that this seemed that there was a lot of legs in the company, that they were trying new things, that they were going to go in various places. So we went ahead and moved there with the, with the attitude of thinking, you know, uh, this is a company that we can grow with um, because, it, you know, it's, it seemed like, you know, Mark Alessi was there to have this dream of his live on no matter what. So, um, and, and I have to say, uh, probably a, a few months after being at CrossGen, Image did uh, fix and correct everything that had been a problem, um, and then everything was good. So I don't want to I don't want to create uh, the illusion or have any stories floating around that Image did us bad or there was something bad. It was just there were some problems and some miscommunications, and you know it eventually all got sorted out. And I'm kind of kicking myself in the rear end now that uh, I didn't give Image uh, uh, more credit than I did, you know, and that's that's my my fault for being that way. But, um, you know, at the time, all we knew was what we knew. We had an operation. We needed to, to maintain it. Uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of the, uh, uh, capital or expense to where we could float dealing with a heavy loss for a short amount of time, and we had an offer on the table of cross-gen, so we went with it. So we went to cross-gen, and we started producing our comics with a schedule they laid out. And uh, the first couple, you know, we we were delivering them by the schedule. And the first one, I think, was Dragon's Lair number one came out, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, they paid for that. And then I think the next one was uh, Icons of Evil, which was this uh, mini series that uh, Robert Kirkman was writing um, for us, a series of one shots. And the Beast, no, Beastman was at Image, and the next one that came out was Merman. And the the check on that, uh, you know, came, and everything seemed okay. Well, then, you know, we're continuing to produce all our titles and get them done. We started working on a, uh, a book for Rob Zombie at the time called uh, The Haunted World of El Scribisto, 
um, the Haunted World of Studios. That's the that's the trade that came out of it. The, the Spook Show International. Spook show, there we go. Yeah. Sorry, I don't even know my own books outside of that. <laughs> uh, and then uh, you know we were working on our own creator own series called Tales of the Realm, and we had uh, this two you know Dragon's Lawyer and Space Ace from Bluth, and we had some other projects in development that I just won't even bother mentioning because um, it never happened at this point. But uh, and then the He Man comic, and uh, we were getting them out there, and we were producing them and uh we had all these artists working for us like any company does and then uh it came time for them to pay for uh icons of evil trap jaw and the check didn't come and we were like whoa, 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 whoa what's going on here and um it kept getting reassurances that it was coming that it was coming it was coming and two weeks late it showed up so then it came time for the next check to show up and that didn't show up and that didn't come didn't come didn't come didn't come at all Oh. And that's when, after about a couple of months of doing this, we had to put the brakes on it. And, uh, you know, people were just saying, you know, oh, we're having a little bit of a money pinch. We're trying to work it out. You know, there's just some things going on. But don't worry. We're going to get sorted out. Uh, you know, basically the, what anybody at a company would do to, to call in the waters. I mean, it's what you're supposed to do. I mean, if there's a problem internally. And uh, eventually it just didn't work. And then, of course, the news soon after came out that CrossGen uh, was folding up shop, that they owed a ton of money. I think, I don't know if it was Rich Johnston that revealed it. I don't remember where actually that was debuted. But um, it turned out that CrossGen owed a lot of money, uh, a lot of money. And it made our what they owed us seem rather paltry because it was, uh, oh, gosh, I don't know if you – if you guys know the numbers, but it was something like, uh, like a, it was, oh geez, um, it was like four hundred thousand to to FedEx and like a, a million two to Diamond, I think it was, and um, just monumental numbers. And at that point, they owed us uh, about sixty five thousand dollars in money from the comics, and we had accrued, I'd say, another, um, uh, geez, like. 30,000 or 35,000 in operating losses for projected things that were had to go into production in the meantime while waiting for that money. So we were sitting on a, a loss of about $100,000, which, wow. you know, to, to Mark Alessi, a, a millionaire, billionaire, probably wasn't a lot of money, but for little old Val Staples, $100,000 <laughs> is quite a bit of money. So um, we shut down shop with them and uh, they. We were able to pull our numbers uh, out, and uh, we went independent, just under the MV Creations banner, and uh, slowly started printing them. But I still had this uh, monumental loss that we were sitting on, and uh, uh, I sued CrossGen, and uh, uh, went down to Florida, and uh, you know that ended up being another four grand out of pocket by the time I paid the lawyer and for the the airfare down and everything like that that I never saw. Uh, to, to sue them, and uh, we won the lawsuit and uh, never got the money. So, you know, nice little piece of paper that says we, we won a lawsuit, <laughs> but what does that mean? You know, we don't get the money. So, um, here I was sitting on this, uh, you know, crossed in at that point, I guess, had, had officially gone under. I'm sitting there sitting on about $100,000 in debt. Um, and uh, that's when I turned just, you know, it's just been my policy from the very beginning, just as long as I've been alive, it's just, you know, he might as well just be honest about what's going on. It doesn't, doesn't do any good to, to try to blow smoke screens and whatever. I mean, I, I know some people do that and get away with it, but it's just not my style. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a, maybe I'm just not a very good businessman. I don't know, but, um, I came out and there's, there's definitely 
records of this online where I explained what was going on, what we were facing. And I turned to the fans and retailers and asked if they would uh, buy our stuff, you know, that are, you know, I, the, or participate in the auctions. I, I auctioned off everything that I could get my hands on, um, everything in the studio, uh, every collectible, and everything that I had. Um, you know, minus a couple things that I kept that I just couldn't bear to part with for sentimental value. But I sold my original He-Man toy collection that I that I had cherished as a child. Um, everything I could. Um, Liquidated everything that I that I, I possessed, moved back in with uh, my family, which was talk about a low point, you know, to, to be yeah. back in your your room that you grew up in as a child, ten by ten space, with every little thing that I still own packed in this room. Um, and uh, I have to, you know, uh, if it wasn't for the retailers and the fans who bought those things in the auction, who bought the books that we liquidated the diamond. Um, we would never have been able to raise any of the money we did. So they're the ones that should get praise because all I did was take the money they gave and turned it over to the artist. You know, it's a lot of people will come online and say, Oh, Val Staples is a great guy. Oh, Val, you know, he, he's, he's, you know, really dug down deep and all this stuff. It's the, the fans and the retailers that deserve that praise. They're the ones that put the money up and I just turned it over. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I was working and turning over money I was making from coloring and whatnot and, and paying on it as well. But, you know, it, it, that's not where all the money came from. So, you know, don't don't pat me on the back. You know, give, pat yourselves well, on the back. That you, you um, th- this is an industry that has been littered with publishing companies that have gone out of business. Yeah. And, yeah. and creators <laughs> that have been left not being paid for work that they've done. And and the the sad story, and usually the end of that sad story, is that's it. They don't get paid for the work. The work went to press. You know, there were comics made. There were, you know, and they just never get paid for it. And you actually cared enough to to make sure that 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 those people got paid. And so you're you're an exception to that. And I um, I hope people realize that. Um, but that's not always the case in this industry. And so you know, I tip my cap to you for actually caring about your fellow comic book creators to, to make sure that they were taken care of. Because you, you sacrificed a lot to do that. So that speaks volumes. I had that story um, told to me actually last night. I was at Challengers Comics. Oh. And Patrick Brower, I was like, "Yeah, we're talking to Val Staples," and he's like, "You know how good a guy Val Staples is?" I'm like, <laughs> "Wow, he's, you know, he's a good guy. He sends me booze." And he's like, <laughs> "Let me tell you this story." And he basically told me what you what you said, but uh, you know, even you know, telling me even you know more about you know kind of how you sacrificed and took care of people whenever you yeah. could have just kind of scrapped it and said, "Hey, eh, sorry, bankrupts." Yeah. You know, uh, you know this is. It's actually been uh, five years now since CrossGen yeah. went bankrupt, and um, they uh, they actually had almost eleven million dollars in debt at the time. Wow, bankrupt. That's a lot so, of dinero. And you yeah, know, I think I think Val is completely right when he said they tried to get too big too fast. Because <laughs> if you look back, the initial three or four titles they they began with turned into eight or nine at one point, and then really? I think I think this is the major mistake that uh, Alessi made and from a consumer point it was a great deal but and as far as selling the monthly comic books it was suicide the two books the compendiums the forge and the edge that that they put out which contained two or three issues of 
like say five or six titles and they would put this out every month for a ridiculously low price. I think they started off at seven ninety five and then they, they realized like uh this is gonna kill us. So they raised it to eleven ninety five but by then it was too late. Yeah. So I- if you're buying a monthly title and you know that you can get two or three issues really cheap, why would you buy the monthly title? Yeah. And and yeah, so well, the month- I, I believe the returns I mean, I, I don't know this 100%, but I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, the returns on those at the uh, um, newsstand, which would be mostly bookstores, was pretty heavy. Yeah, so, I was going to say, um, we we often get into these conversations on the forums or even sometimes on the show about, you know, people come in and they're not that familiar with the history of the industry, and they'll say something like, oh, why aren't comics on, you know, more shelves and newsstands? And then someone brings up the idea of returnability, and... Um, there, there are a lot of reasons why cross-gen went under, um, but returnability, I mean, I think if you look back in the last decade, if you need a proof of what a returnable market can do to a company that's even you know, well-received critically and fast-growing and well-capitalized, look at cross-gen. Um, they got destroyed yeah. on return. return. Hey, yeah. folks, you know, Borders just announced that they're shutting down all their Walton books. Oh, jeez. Uh, what, what I mean, that, that, that's been you know a few months ago. A lot of trade paperbacks in those Walton oh. books, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, those suckers are returnable. Well, and another thing so, about that, you know, <laughs> I, a lot of people holding those books, and you know, yeah. th- th- those are going to end up getting liquidated, and and that's why you buy five dollar trades at, uh, at exactly, Kentucky. exactly. Yeah. I wanted to say a, a couple uh, yeah. of things real quick, if I could, if it's like just real bet. quick. Um, um, for starters, uh, you know, I mean, I, I no matter, I mean, it's kind of a silver lining to that extremely dark cloud. There was a lot of Extremely talented people working at CrossGen. Yeah, and yeah. they got oh, really, royally screwed, but produced some really nice stuff. I mean, I don't know if you all have read a lot of the the, the CrossGen works, and it, you know, I mean, yes. yeah, yeah, they had their faults, but it's like my particular favorite was Ruse, and Love um, Ruse. yeah, I, oh, I thought they were fantastic, and and also you know, kind of a props to an industry that not only you know it, it harms itself, but also helps itself at the same time, being kind of its close knit. When those creators were left holding the bag as well, across in uh, companies like Marvel and DC gave a lot of these people work and brought them back into the industry when a lot of them were scared they were going to be blacklisted and not come back in. So I mean, you know, I mean, you know, props to them too for you know not being you know closing the door and saying, hey, I told you so. I mean, you know, that, that just I think that's sort of a, a bigger bigger people, you know, working there that, that said, now, you know what, hey, you know, lesson learned, now come back in, you, know, you guys made some awesome stuff, let's put you back to work, and and that's fantastic, and also, I need to give, um... Even Greg Land. Well, you know, it's, it's, it, it, I don't know Greg personally, um, I, I, and I don't know how his, uh, art has been treated, um, don't let me forget, there's one thing I want to say, I want to give props to somebody who needs thanks for helping me out during that time, but, um, um, to talk about Greg Land, it's you know you like what you like and art is what it is, and I don't know how Greg has presented himself to the point you know I don't know why people rag on him the way they do. I mean maybe there's some reason I don't know about, but I, as far as I've known from what I've seen, just on a professional basis, I've never known Greg to sugarcoat the way he he does his art, and you know if that's the way he does it and it's produced and it comes out and people like it, why do people need to crap on it? It's it's I mean I. I, I appreciate all things for what they are. And if they're successful at being art, and it's no matter if it's uh, something that's been photo traced or originally created, you know, art is art. There's going to be people that like it and people who don't, and it's all subjective. I have things I like and things I don't. And I, you know, I may personally not be a fan of a lot of the stuff that uh, 
Craig Land does photocopy because I think it's he shouldn't use photos that we recognize that are copyrighted. I think he should hire models and take photos of them. So they're, they're things that you know he could create a contract that signs off rights to the likeness that people can use, and there would be a lot less of the stink because I mean they're still going to know their photocopy, but at least it wouldn't be a picture they saw on Vogue magazine or whatever. But yeah. um, you know, I mean, he he's an artist and he creates something that people like. And by the time it's it's inked and like Justin colors it or whatever, I think it looks gorgeous. And it's um, I I personally have a preference for artists who who create uh-huh. things. Well, illustrate from um, a knowledge that's innate in their head where they've mapped out everything and they can do it from their brain. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, Mike Ringo was one of oh, my oh, oh, biggest. Oh. You know. <laughs> Did I say something wrong? No, no David, no, David Love. No, no, no. <laughs> it's like um, Mike. You know, Mike was a friend of mine, and that was a gigantic loss. You know, yeah. I mean, to, to, I mean, for everyone just to think. But I mean, he's a guy. I mean, look at that guy. I mean, he, he you know, he, to me, I, I would take him over Greg any day. But does that mean I don't like Greg's art? No. You know, it's like I still find, think that Greg's art has place. You know, so yeah. sorry his, to go on a tangent about that. I mean, we each have our own opinions. You know, his, yeah. his uh, sojourn work was very strong. I'll give him. Yeah, a it was. Yeah. It's great. Oh yeah, yeah. And but uh, you, uh, you mentioned you uh, mentioned Ruse. That was uh, Butch Geismos for almost a whole and, lot of. And time. Butch, I've been uh, trying to get Butch to, to, to let me to give me uh, suggest me to color something <laughs> else of his. Is I love that guy's art. I don't think um, I, I got to color a couple of fill-ins of Ruse, but I don't think Butch had drawn them. It was um, oh gosh, uh, I forgot who penciled them. I feel so horrible now. Um, equally Butch had a. Had a book that came out today for Marvel. Yes, yes. This one came out today. The Captain America the Reborn, Who Will Wield the Shield. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's, he's still cranking up. I mean, look at the, the uh, list of heavy hitters that came out of CrossGen. Yes. I, I think the strongest of the bunch in terms of marketability is um, Jim Chung. Jim Chung? Yeah. Mar- Marvel I thought you were going to say McNiven. I thought that was another. I was going to say. No, I, I was going to say Chung. Probably. Marvel is exploiting. Oh, oh, oh th- years from now. People are gonna look back. Jimmy Chung gonna be the man. Oh yeah. Oh no question. Well, but I mean, awesome. I I think McNiven's is. I mean, he he's currently a superstar. I think I, I wish Jim Chung did more work because uh, I yeah, love right. Stuff. But see, but think, McNiven, yeah. not McNiven. Uh, Jim Chung is analogous to uh, Jose Garcia Lopez at DC back in the day. How he modeled and did the model sheets for all their characters. They are basing a lot of the look and feel of the Marvel universe on the way Jim Chung visualizes it because if you look i mean he does posters he did all those he just does covers because the guy is almost instantly recognizable as that's the marvel style now you know super nice guy too yeah it's awesome that's what that matters but i mean tony bedard and mcniven and maury just great tony stuff is uh fantastic yeah there's a lot of talented people Perkins. perkins yep yep uh, yeah. I mean, people that wrote Perkins. for them: uh, Barbara Kessel, Mark Wade, Scott Beatty, Chuck Dixon. Yeah. Uh, who else? Uh, Mr. Simonson. Um, yeah, Perez there. Yeah. For Perez. A yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of. Um, I, I would Bart say that, and also the next. I would say the Mark next Mark. level of coloring came out of Crosstown as well. Well, that's what I was going to ask you because I knew you were. I, until you talked about it on the show, I, I knew you had some affiliation uh, that that you know with with them from all of that, but I, I didn't know. I didn't know if, uh, and, uh, and it sounds like that wasn't the case. If, if you kind of cut your teeth uh, learning digital coloring there, because because when I no. when I think of cross gen and the positives they brought, it seems like one of the things. And I know Mo Hollowell's talked about this a lot. He was part of their their bullpen there. Is that you know they really did help 
um, set the table for for you know the, the evolution into digital coloring and the process. So I was, I was no, it in. was um, I uh, I actually had an offer on the table to go work there, um, and the decision I had was go work at CrossGen or pursue publishing and doing uh, He-Man or, or actually at the time it was going to be Transformers. Um, that's mm-hmm. a story if you guys want to hear it. But um, you know, so I did that. But then they were like, "Oh, oh, you're not going to do it." And I was like, "Well, you know who you should hire? Jason Keith, because Jason was working alongside me there at uh, Hi-Fi at the time, and Jason oh. went to work at uh, CrossGen. And Jason is a phenomenal colorist. So, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, then, let me go back real quick, say this real quick, because um, I really should. There was uh, tons of people that helped me out along the way, and they really did. But um, you know, when I was at that low point and uh, you know, back living in, in my parents' room and things weren't going good. Um, uh, uh, Robert Kirkman did help me out quite a bit. Uh, you know, I helped him out when he was having a rough time, and then he did the exact same for, thing for me and uh, helped me out by doing that uh, Battle Pope reprint series and uh, paying me to color it to to help me out. So you know, he deserves uh, a lot of uh, uh, praise for you know, nice. being there at a time. So you know, it's uh, um, I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, a lot of people helped me, and I, I can't mention all the names, but that one definitely stands out because he did a lot more than people realize. So, um, right. you know, I'll throw that out there. And if you guys want to know about the Transformers license, that's a story. I can talk for another hour and a half or two hours. One, uh, one other artist we, we would be remiss not to, to mention because they, they uh, negations artist, Paul, Paul Pelletier. Yeah, I was yes. going to say that. Yep. A, a, a long time 11 o'clock favorite. So. Uh, what I think is their finest book, too, Negation. That was top of the stack for me. It was a good, but it wasn't. I wasn't into that. I don't know for some reason that particular story didn't click with me. I mean, it was still good, you know. But I don't know. I was into like, I don't know, like the kind of drop in the the sort of action sci-fi kind of element. I was more oriented in, uh, you know, I don't know something like yeah. Route Six 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 and uh, and Ruse and you know, I don't know for some reason I went in the Meridian. I kind of went in that direction. I don't know why. Yeah. It's funny you should you should bring up Route Six 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 because uh, on the digital cable I was looking for something to watch the other night and uh, there was there's a movie called Route Six 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 and I thought no this can't Sounds be bad. <laughs> uh, oh believe me it was it was horrible and I'm I'm about a half hour into it thinking this is not Route the Cross Gen property this is garbage and it was it was terrible so yeah, speaking along those lines Vince um, mm-hmm. I know uh, this is in direct opposition to what you said and I also know it's in direct opposition to most of the reviews online but Big Man Japan I rented that on your recommendation I felt like I was like what the hell is this oh was, no was, wow. I, I, what, what the heck happened at the ending there what was that all about oh see, see the ending oh no I'm oh, nah. don't blame started Val <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's see yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm sad you didn't like it. <laughs> no, no, I wanted little, uh, to like it. I love a lot of that kind of stuff, but for some reason, I think it was the pacing was a little slow for me. You know. So, yeah. other than that, I mean, it was a funny story. But you know. well, you tried. I did, and I will keep keep following your recommendations. I ordered, uh, you know, because of you. I mean, I mean, I listen to everyone's recommendation on the show, but for some reason, you going on and on about uh, um, anything. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, like that long diatribe about uh, Pim and Francie um, yeah. oh, that was got, awesome. got me to order that book. So, yeah. you know, I would not have known about it because uh, I am out of the day, out of the loop here. But uh, Speaking yeah, of Prim, Pim and Francie, the new issue of The Believer, McSweeney's um, monthly mag, there is a two-page comic section, and it's done by the uh, Buenaventura people, and... Uh, Pim and Francie's, uh, there's um, 
this rum is killing me. I can't remember anything. <laughs> Al Columbia has a strip in the new Believer magazine, and it uh-huh. is vicious. It's everything that Pim and Francie brought to the table and more. Oh, is it dying? By the way, Vince, yes. you, uh, I was admonished yet again for my uh, dismissing of your Pim and Francie musings by uh, uh, by Ron, that I fanboy. He, he and I uh, met up for dinner the other night, and the first, one of the first things he said to me is like, dude, Vince talks about some crazy stuff sometimes, but Pim and Francie <laughs> was dope. He's like, you picked the wrong thing. They cut him off about it. I'm like, I yeah. know, I know already. All right, I get it. I get it. Jesus. Uh, God bless Ron. I like him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but before, yeah. we get, before we get off, the, I just want to mention with CrossGen, much like we were talking about Valiant last week, and uh, I know for there actually are a lot of people that, that didn't read much CrossGen stuff for whatever reason, uh, and for or uh, for for probably obvious reasons, there are quite a lot of cross-gen comics in back issue bins all across the country. So oh, yeah. this is stuff that you can get on the cheap. I mean, you know, we always hear people talk about fifty cent bins, and then you have say, people say, "Oh, I I never see them." Well, in most fifty cent bins, you're going to find some cross-gen books, and I have to say, almost to a book. They're worth reading, especially for the price. So, yeah, um, you know, if you, if you right. go online to like my comic shop or Mile High or any of the back issue places or, or your local store, you can get pretty much any or almost any cross gen comic for a buck or less. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in, in brand new numerate. So it's worth it. You know, give some. Yeah, a try. you can do a lot worse for for that amount of money. Absolutely. A lot yeah. worse. I mean, trust me, it's that's definitely a decent investment right there mm-hmm. for what you're going to get. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna to, to boost this forum, the Eleven O'clock forums a little bit more. I'm gonna tell that uh, Transformers license story along uh, on the forums for people to enjoy. Cool. Uh, that's that's awesome. an interesting because it it actually would not have been Dreamwave. It was actually going to be MV Creations publishing that Transformers comic. Uh, really? Wow. Yes. So that's I'm a good sure story. But I, you know, I'm I'm curious. Uh, what what what? And I'm sure people would have gotten paid. Yeah, if they would have not sitting oh. on a hundred thousand dollar nest egg like uh, they were. That yeah, or over. Yeah, not a lot of Well, you're talking Dreamwave, then then oh. you're talking about more people that didn't get paid. Exactly. That's that's yeah. true. Exactly, yeah. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. What do you what are you guys uh what are you guys reading right now anyway? Where are you checking well, out right you now? Know, Good I was, stuff. I was, I was going to say um it is it is um uh the holiday season. Guys, oh, do oh. we want to um we want to talk um about what we're we're reading because of of each other. Hmm, that's a good idea. That's yeah. a good idea, Chris. I got some. Yeah. I got some thank yous to give. I think we all, we all do. Why don't you you start it up, up then, Chris. How, how do you want? You just want to um, it up, dude. How, how do you want to do it? You just want to uh, pick one and then kind of start going around. No, just you. Just say what you got from everybody, and then we'll move on. All right. Um, Roll call. From 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 Mister uh, from Mister B. Thank you so much. We actually talked about it last week, and I was going to have to. Order this thing um, if 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 not for you. Um, Vince sent me the uh, the book of Genesis illustrated by R. Crumb. Oh, that's awesome! There you go. And yeah, me giving is. a biblical uh, story out. How about yeah, that? Wow! Oh, <laughs> well, but, know your uh, Christmas and know your know your audience. Yeah, it yeah. is it is awesome. It is. I mean, it's it's how far awesome. into it are you? Because I've been I've been dying to pick it up ever since I've seen them uh, over, you know, talking about it online. It looks it looks fantastic. Yeah, I'm up to like Abraham. And it's, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it is, it is verbatim, word for word, Book of Genesis. And if I mean, you know the stories from Book of Genesis, but to actually sit down and read them and have it illustrated, I mean, it's some, it's some crazy out there stuff. I mean, it's there's the 
that is a messed up, messed up book. And it's, you don't, you, you think of the Bible as being, you know, very, very, you know, puritanical. It's not. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of, you know, incest and wrath of God and just out there stuff. And, and Crumb, I mean, does it verbatim. It's, it's awesome. But Vince also sent me the, um, uh, uh, Batman, the black, uh, black glove hardcover, the fantastic oh, Grant Morrison, nice. J.H. Williams. Look at Vince uh, being all festive. You know, I, I know my buddy. Yeah, I, I, I loved them both. I've been I've been flipping through them, and uh, uh, I've got a, a three and a half days in uh, in South Bend this weekend for Christmas, and I'm going to take both of them. Uh, David, my uh, my very personal King Dap, uh, sent me one of my favorite bands, Morphine. They had a double disc set that came out this past year that I didn't know about until um, until a few weeks ago and it's called at your service and it's a bunch of rarities and b-sides and live performances because uh, the lead singer and saxophonist for morphine passed away uh, several years ago um but here's some some rarities that they were able to to put together on a, on a two disc set and morphine is one of my absolute favorite bands so thank you thank you david awesome I'm glad you like it you're welcome Love it. It's been awesome. Uh, Marta's, uh, Marta stole it from me. So thank, you know, thankfully <laughs> I was able to, I know I was able to, to, to rip it to my, to my iTunes. And I think Sal actually has possession of it now because he's a big morphine fan. So, you know, thank, you know, thankfully I got it on my iPod. And then from, uh, from my boy, uh, Mr. Wood, I got the, uh, uh, the Bloom County, um, volume oh, one. Nice. Which from IDW, nice. which is uh, 1980 to 1982, and if you you grew up reading the Bloom County like I did, this is a first of all, it's an absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. collection, yeah. and it brings back so many memories of of reading Bloom County. Nice. So thank you guys. Yeah, Merry Christmas. You're welcome. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, Want me to go now? Yeah, go ahead, yeah, buddy. Go now. All right, Mr. Jason Wood knows me very well, I guess, because. He he played to both sides of my being. He he. Oh, hello. <laughs> Who'd that be on the phone? He he bought me the hardcover of Hans Rick Rick Heights. I can never say his name. Rick Heights, the Squirrel Machine from Fanographics Books. Anybody seen this? No. Oh, okay. Well, I'll save it for a future episode. Uh, it it plays to my love of all things surreal, and way out there but i'm not going to spoil it i'll get into it uh, someday and he played to my below the belt love of the pretty ladies <laughs> by uh Hero, volume one <laughs> no he bought me ugetsu hakua's art book called flamboyant i don't know if you've ever seen mr hakua's art he did the uh burst angel anime this guy draws women oh my god beautifully sculpted backsides that look like you, you can you can bounce a cinder block off them and that that naive look coupled with the the steamy sexiness of the japanese schoolgirl Unbel- and this guy's sense of color val you you have to see this man his work no, i'm i'm i you you piqued my interest as usual uh, <laughs> it's it's colorful a, descriptions It's a little raw in spots, and it's a little borderline, um, I I don't want to say kiddie, but some of these girls are very young. 
Okay. Let's just put it. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. But um, check out Burst Angel for an ex- for no for an example. No, they're they're te- they're they're teens, but they're women. Uh, check out Burst Angel. They're gravity defying breasts and just beautifully sculpted facial features. Unbelievable page design. This this guy, as well as being able to draw like like nobody's business. The design that he imparts into his images is fantastic. And you get a bunch of uh, behind-the-scenes sketches and character designs and just full-color, gorgeous beauty. Oh, I love it. I'm just, I've am just i went through it three times already, and nice. uh, I'll probably go That's through awesome. it many more. Chris. Oh, my buddy Chris got me. The two volumes of Paul Karasik's examination of the comics of Fletcher Hanks. Oh, good God. You shall die by your own evil creation, and I shall destroy all the civilized planets from Fantagraphics books again. Um, Where do I start with with Fletcher Hanks' stuff? Uh, It's like Wolverton times uh, 100. It's just so weird, so strange. Golden Age wackiness. Uh, I'm going to get into it again in a future episode to do it upright. Uh, and there's some seldom seen stuff in here, too. And it's one of those unsung heroes of, of comics. I don't think Fletcher Hanks would be anywhere near as recognized if Paul Krasik didn't decide to, to take this uh, examination of his work. It's, it's the seed that grew a lot of very strange plants, uh, creative plants. I would say Alan Moore's Miracle Man being one of them. You know, it's it's just mm-hmm. it's way way out there, and David not only gave me something, but he gave my kids something as well because Vinny was just oh, like that's, that's from Renee mostly, t- yes. tickled 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 pink. I got a edible arrangement, mm-hmm. but oh, it's not nice. yeah, but it's not just any old arrangement. Oh, it's a, it's a Spider-Man themed no arrangement. Way. It, it, yes, it came in <laughs> came in this beautiful Spider-Man. A metal bucket, and you had uh, melons and grapes, and all arranged like a, a a bouquet of flowers. But the pineapples, there was something very unique about the pineapples. And Vinny, he was there when I was opening it up, and he's like, "Oh, Spider Man, that is so cool!" And he, I'm taking the plastic off, and he goes, "Dad." The pineapples are shaped like spidey webs, and they were. <laughs> they, they, they actually, they actually kind of. He doesn't eat fruit, so he was just, you know, t- walking around with it, looking at how awesome they cut the spider webs. But yeah, so the whole family was digging on it. We just oh, awesome. chowed chow down on fruit, and yeah, it was it was awesome. That is so sweet. Thank all three of you. That's great. Oh, yeah, Merry Christmas. Yeah. You, uh, you softy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's me. That, the Fletcher Hank stuff, man. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. By the way, did someone just register to He-Man.org? I don't know. Um, so uh, I'll jump in here. Um, <laughs> I see, I see a, a certain name price. I don't know. Oh, oh look at yeah, that. That would be David. That's why he never talks on the show. He's always surfing around the internet. Yeah, that's Seriously. right. Yeah, like, your your account has just been approved. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, hilarious. Right on the air. Uh, behind the scenes, if you will. Pull Ridiculous. So, uh, b- before I thank the boys, I just also want to say thank you to uh, a bunch of people, that two numerous to name, that have been sending uh, holiday cards our way. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, you know, so uh, it, it, I've gotten a bunch of them, and, and I'll make a list and, and give you proper thanks when I get the chance, but they're pouring in, and they're awesome. Uh, also, a quick thanks Did to Did you Templar. guys get to get the Tom Fowler sketchbook? Got oh, it. totally. I, I totally. Want oh. Fowler sketchbook. Yeah, absolutely something? gorgeous. His, his um, new Christmas card got it today. Yeah. yeah. But in uh, in with mine was the sketchbook, and well, I'll tell you, he sent me a copy of the sketchbook with. Uh, I don't want to talk to you guys anymore. 
I was going to say, yeah, he gave me a sketch <laughs> with the uh, page I got from him, the commission. So. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, I, I never had a love-hate relationship with anybody as much as I do with Tom Fowler. No, because nice. he's nice. awesome. <laughs> he, he's too awesome. It should not yeah. be. It's unnatural. He it he really is. Awesome. is. It's by that Sorry, mysterious Jason. unfathomable trade people. Yeah, see, uh, see, right. that, that, was a, that was a crime against man, okay? That's all i got to say. <laughs> Come on. Uh, him and Jeff Parker together? Boom. Totally. Yeah. Um, people just to, really, really, really need to buy that trade when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> this segment is called Step on the Wood. <laughs> that, that's what I'm trying to do. I've been doing it for like, I mean, I keep doing it. Every time someone says something, I'm saying. The bourbons keep me busy. Uh, thanks to Templar, who sent some um, Christmas presents for my boys. Mm-hmm. He sent them uh, two little really cute, not not like, I'd say maybe two-inch tall uh, Hellboy action figures, one of Hellboy and one of uh, Rasputin. Uh, which they're hmm. digging, and then he sent, and it looks like it's a UK version. Um, I have to ask him about that because I haven't seen this packaging in the states. But he sent a uh, a pack of GI Joe action figures, and it's um, as is pretty common. It's it's a Storm Shadow versus a Snake Eyes, but it's uh, it's definitely a modern set. But it's not the stuff that's currently out because of the movie. So it's pretty dope, and they it's their two favorite characters. So they uh, they're they're giddy with uh, with that. So so thanks nice. very much, Matt, for that. Cool. Um, now getting on to you, cr- you crazy cats. Um, uh, so the King Dap, uh, I, I get in my box here. Uh, I'm going to be heavy deep in some uh, some critically acclaimed manga. He sent me a couple volumes of 20th Century Boys, um, oh. which uh, we, we haven't talked about much on the show, but um, it, pretty much every comic creator on Twitter that I follow has at some point in the last calendar year uh, mentioned 20th Century Boys uh, and or um, Pluto, the other uh acclaimed manga out there right now in, in the U.S. Um, as just being far and away some of their favorite comics work uh, from, from anywhere. So um, well, I've been really curious. did talk about it a long time I want to. Yeah, yeah. And it's I've been really curious three, about it. It's one of the three good ones. Stop. And there you go. Jesus. There you go. Uh, and, and so uh, so so uh, much love to David for that. I can't wait to dig in. It's, I've been really curious to uh, try this out because I figure it's one of those manga that if, if I don't like this, then I don't like manga, but I suspect I'll, I'll really enjoy it. Um, which segues me into uh, into uh, Vince because Vince also sent me some 20th Century Boys, um, so I have yeah. plenty of that to read. And uh, and he sent me the Fables, uh, beautiful oversized hardcover, which oh, is uh, that's nice. it's just badass for two reasons. One, um, you guys, he knows that Fables is my favorite series, and two, um, now that I have the man cave up and running, I am just like a crack addict addicted to hardcovers right now. Told so, you. Uh, yeah, so I, even though I have all the Fables trades, I, I, I'm quickly going to be disposing of them and uh, transitioning to these hardcovers because they're just yeah. gorgeous. And you know so why? Then, I, I got it for you because I knew you wouldn't get it for yourself. You're the man. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, and then uh, last but certainly not least, Chris, um, he, first of all, he got me a book that uh, I, I'm long remiss for not reading and I feel actually awful that I haven't read it yet, but uh, and that's Box Office Poison by Alex Robinson. Um, One of those indie works that seemingly everybody that's ever read enjoyed and and recommends to other people, so I really... It's a big Yeah, it's a huge book. It's a a big bite. Yeah. Totally, totally. And the other uh, by Mr. Josh Cotter, uh, which which Vince raved about probably six six eight months ago, I guess, and yeah. uh, and really piqued my interest on it is Skyscrapers in the Midwest, mm. which uh, 
which again, I, I have not read it, and I, I anticipate I will absolutely love it. So uh, great, great stuff from all of you guys. I really appreciate it, and I uh, can't wait to dig into all of it. So it's because cool. we love you. That's all. Merry Christmas, buddy. Merry Christmas. That's right. Merry Christmas, everyone. And Val, what is Santa Claus uh, bringing uh, to put under your tree? You have any any wants? Anything you're you're hoping to get? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I, no one sends me anything. Oh, well, we're going to have to rectify yeah, that. I, I, sound, yeah. I mean, just comic-wise, I've been you know picking up some various things. I, you know, you, this is a, once again, I'm going to throw a little uh, nod out to a uh, 11 o'clock comic suggestion. Um, I have been uh, working to complete my Marvel Encyclopedia handbooks so I can oh. have them bound at librarybinding.com. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, I uh, have been actually got so thrilled at them. I've been restacking them up in the bathroom and reading them. Tons, hours and hours of reading. <laughs> and I have to give uh, thanks to Jimmy Hayes and the Graham Crackers comics crew there in Chicago for uh, helping me find all of the missing issues in my uh, Marvel Handbook Encyclopedia. I now have them all, thanks to oh, them. you have them all? I was going to ask I if you're missing them. Now. Okay. It's, uh, I, I don't know if they're all... They were all reprinted in those uh, hard covers they did, but I don't really care because I want to have my own binding sure. done, library binding. And plus, it's, yeah, I, yeah, it's it's really cool that that old paper smell. Oh, oh sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, there goes Vince. What were you going to cool. say, Jason? Uh, no, I was going to let it. That's great that you have them all. I, I have them all, too, and I was going to say if you need any because I've been buying the um, – the uh, the hardcovers that come out, so so I'm I'm more than happy to uh, to uh, was going to send any way, but uh, if you have them all, awesome. So uh, good, so. but thank you for the sentence. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's like sonic dissonance. <laughs> wow. Okay. And last but not least, David, uh, what'd you score? Uh, I scored pretty well. Uh, you guys are pretty awesome. Um, we know that. J- yeah, I know, but it doesn't hurt to repeat it. Uh, from Jason, and, and Renee thanks you as well. Um, a, uh, she received Deadpool Classics Volume 1. Woot! So, awesome. so yeah, so, so, uh, I guess, I guess that's supposed to balance out the good that I have in my house. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and for, for me, uh, Kirby, King of Comics. Ooh. Yeah. Sweet. I, I can't wait. To, to dive into this um, and uh, also I uh, found out from uh, New York Comic Con from this year an awesome uh, Grendel Hunter Rose Grendel piece by Andrew and I'm going to screw up his last name is, is, is it Chiapar? Char- Charapar Charapar mm-hmm. so thank you all for that um, from Chris and and this this kills me because I, I'm never going to let him live it down that I ended up buying the novel before I started reading the, the <laughs> comics. Um, I opened up the first box, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'll finally get to start reading Queen and Country, and it's and it's the Definitive Edition Volume 1. So I'm like, all right, that that's cool. And then I opened up the second box, and it's Volumes 2 and 3. Oh, snap. So that's- now I can finally read... Uh, is this everything of Queen and Country as of no, now? You, I mean, you, minus you, the... the there, there's oh, the okay. there's the fourth definitive, and if nice. if you like the first three, well, you know what your birthday present. Will be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and after that, you're on your own. All right. Well, I, so so when do I start reading the novels after the second book? Um, the yeah, um, I'll, I'll I'll have to take a look. It's okay. 
Yeah, it's 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 in between one of the one of the story arcs. That's okay. maybe, I'm sure there's a, a reading order thread for Queen and Country on the forums. It's got to be. Yeah, it's got to. I've made them probably eight times in the last five years. Different Queen and Country reading order threads. Um, but uh, no, I'll, I'll I'll touch base with you. On it, okay. but yeah, you you can go right through volumes one and two, and not have to worry about the novels. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm just what? thinking of I'm just thinking of the voicemail we're going to get from Haas now that that Chris didn't know the exact spot that the novel falls <laughs> in true. between the it's, you know <laughs> well, it's coming. It's Greg Haas, is, Haas is the number one fan, so he'll know. He yeah, is. Yeah, <laughs> I should just ask him. You know, help me, Haas. The and, and from Vince, this this completely. Stunned me. The art of Osama Tezuka. Oh yeah, Adam nice. The, uh, this thing, I can't wait to pop. This oh, it's TV gorgeous. Thing. Yeah, it, it really, really is. And so, like, like I said, you guys are uh, are fantastic. I'm, Happy, st- I'm stunned you did you open the boxes before the holiday because well, you know you don't cotton well, that stuff. Holiday is over. Though. I uh, yeah, my holiday is over. But um, since I didn't want to have less to say. Than I normally do. I figured I might as well talk. <laughs> that's that's true. Going to talk that's about what, they, what they got. So you're all right, David. Nice. I try to be, you know. And and from from Templar, since we were uh, talking about the uh, the items he was sending, I too received the uh, the Mezco Mezitz, uh Hellboy little figurines. Mine uh, mine contained Abe Sapien and a uh, those ugly little monsters where they. Uh, the frog, frog, yeah, the frog monsters. Oh man, oh, cool. Now, now, see, I want to cl- complete the set because I got uh, I got Hellboy and Cronin, and so yeah. now I now I need to like go and steal all yours, so I have a complete set. That's right. <laughs> there are bigger ones too, you know. Oh, I like the, I like the size. Yeah, of these. they're they're sweet. The, the Mezco stuff is really sharp. It really yeah. is. I, I like that. I like them a lot, lot better than the mini mates. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You, you are right. Yeah. Awesome. All right. You know what? We we are. Way over time, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a little uh, so, you know, hey, it's you know, you. But it was all gold, so I would just I, maybe just um, save voicemails for next time. Oh yeah, that's true. We'll just make it. We'll we'll have a special holiday episode sans voicemails. But <laughs> I will say, on the fade out, keep listening. Don't you know? Quit after we're done, and you know you think it's just going to be a little little music. There's something very special, very very special at the end of this episode. So keep keep it rolling, oh, right right to the well, end. Let's cut it off. So that's good to know. Finally figured out a way to transmit the Annie Life equation on a podcast. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> and all of this, this whole mess tonight was brought to you by DCB Service. That's DiscountComicBookService.com. Get your comics cheap through the mail. UPS, they're great. Spectacular discounts. I know it's not a very good promo, but I can't say it any other way. These guys are great. And you'll save a lot of money and get the books you want when you want them. And do yourself a favor. Here's the, here's the pitch. There will probably be many, many gift cards given for this holiday season. If you get any, take them to Borders and buy Tayo, I always mess this up, Tayo Matsumoto's Go-Go Monster. Okay? Because... My number one OGN for 2009 now has a challenger. Ooh. Yes. And that's uh, by the guy that did Tekken Kincrete. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I read it three times. It's not a small book. It's like 450 pages. I read it three times since I picked it up. 
Wow. It's a challenger to Asterios Polyp. It really wow. is. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Really? That's, yeah. that's, that's a challenge. That's heavy. And, I, and oh. I I had a whole mess of notes to talk about this tonight, so I'm going to have to save it probably. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. No, 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 no. No, this is good. This is no, good. Val, thank you. <laughs> Stop it. This is cool because I'm assuming next episode we'll do the best of. Yeah. Right? Is that no, the next step? Yeah. No, 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 no. It's yeah. not next episode because no. my probably best collection hasn't arrived yet. I didn't, I didn't oh, receive the Rocketeer. Also, about, we need to give, you. to be fair, we well, need to give it, the, if we're waiting for the Rocketeer, and, it's going to be, we'll come back in March. No, people are already getting theirs. No, no, no. The, no, the, no. The, no. The, what I'm saying is, is Vince, we need to give people a, a week or okay. two to submit because theoretically something could come out this last week and right you know so well uh, right we'll only do well, it like mid, mid-january mid-january okay yeah. all right good because you know how rude of it would be for me to talk about a half hour 45 minutes on this book while we have a guest so i'm saving it for next time all right let me, this, let me just say uh vince uh because of you i i ordered a serious polyp and also i've been trying to track down Issues of rubber blanket, so you know. Oh, good luck, bad. buddy. So, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. exactly. It'd be worth it so. when you find it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Gogo mm-hmm. yeah. Monster is phenomenal. Uh, so from, it's yeah. it's amazing, amazing piece of work. And but like next time, we'll get into it next time. Sure. So there. Yes, buy Gogo okay. Monster and awesome. pre-order as um. Uh, uh, mysterious. No, yes, mysterious, the unfathomable. You got to get you it because go. it's yes, you do. You have to. Val Staples is saying you have to. Yeah, that's right. a demand, well, in, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> in, uh, in keeping with the theme of something you should read because you're going to have lots of loot in your pockets in the form of gift cards, uh, if you if you have any left over after buying GoGo Monster uh, on Amazon or Borders, um, cross your fingers that they also have in stock the recently released and fantastic looking Criminal Deluxe Edition hardcover, Ooh, uh, written by a gentleman named Ed uh, Brubaker. Uh, uh, illustration by a gent named Sean Phillips and some other dude who <laughs> hacked out some colors that kind of yeah, helped. Yeah, that guy. Um, but no, it's... Uh, That's all you need yeah. to know. It, uh, what's it, Val? Just to be sure, it reprints the first four trades or the first three trades? Uh, I believe it's uh, the first three, if I'm not mistaken. Doesn't so have the first ten and I think the three issues after that. Yes, it's, yeah, it's, okay. it's like the first three trades. It doesn't have the um. I can't think of the name of the fourth one. I put all the things together and I can't think of it now. But yeah, it's it's it's. it's Chris just Marshall just talked about it rec- uh, last okay. week. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it, will, it, it also uh, has it the preview and the the Liberty Comics thing in there as well. I believe. It nice. Well, if I didn't get it for Christmas from my list, it's it's I'm getting it for myself. <laughs> so. Awesome. Well, uh, right. I'll tell you, as a tease, it will be uh, it will be talked about at length on our best of. Nice episode. Cool. So. Well, my turn? Yeah. Um, oh goodness gracious! Um, well, first of all, um, Vince, um, right. for for people that might be interested in uh, in checking out DCB service, uh, first time customers oh, yes. can can enter uh, a code in their order form that will give them an additional eight percent off their their first month's order, and that code is is it? I have it. O C eight. Right. EOCA? Yep. And you get an extra 8% off your order. That's yeah. crazy. Nice. Which, I mean, if you're putting in like a $200 order, you know, you do the math. That's, uh, um, 
that's, that's pretty good, pretty good additional change to save. So, so go check that out. Um, oh gosh, um, you know, we've been, we've been giving Parker some love tonight and it's well deserved. Um, I hope people have been checking out his series with, uh, Steve Lieber called Underground. Um, it's, it's very different than obviously X-Men First Class or Agents of Atlas. It just kind of continues to show, um, the, the different chops that, um, that Parker has. And, um, and Steve Lieber is, is fantastic. And, uh, in this last issue from, uh, just kind of showing a, a really, really, um, controlled color palette from uh, uh from the colorist who is uh Ron Chan um really fantastic way to uh, uh to show a a cave scene in a book so check out underground and uh just to let people know what I'm going to be reading for the next three and a half days in South Bend Indiana to keep myself from going crazy I'm going to take the uh, Captain Britain omnibus with me sweet that's my, that's my goal for for this weekend I heard that's nice. good it's real good. <laughs> you heard, huh? Yeah. You heard? Uh, well, since Wood already sucked up to the guest, and, and I already mentioned it, <laughs> but came, uh, came out today. I I was going to say Criminal the Sinners number three, but I'll go along with the um, with the get your butt over to Borders or Barnes and Noble and, and get a nice size book um, after you spend your money on on Google Monster and, and the Criminal. Deluxe edition. I say uh, get uh, Parker the Hunter. Yep. Yep. I, I love that. I am. I am a few <laughs> pages shy of finishing it, and uh, and I don't think it's going to be my uh, my pick for OGN. It's it's very close, uh, but it is still some damn fine reading. It's it's a beautiful book. Yep. Agreed. And Val, what do you think they should read? Uh, you know I. <laughs> You don't want to ask me. I, I really. It's, I, I've been kind of backtracking. Actually, I've been so busy that I've been going back and reading um, things that have been piling up. Uh, in in particular, uh, this will this will tell you how uh, far things have been backing up for me. Um, Secret Wars. <laughs> yes, Secret Wars. Exactly. No, actually, trades of and this may surprise people. Uh, Blade of the Immortal and uh, Oh My Goddess in particular. Oh, uh, I love Oh My Goddess. Yeah, it's. I don't know why this. There's always liked them. Um, I'm looking forward to to sitting down and reading Mysterious Polyp and Pim and Francie. Um, and also, uh, I haven't been to the comic shop, so I don't know if it actually came out today, but. Uh, Recommender and Tony Moore's The Punisher. If it's out, everyone should be checking that out because yeah. uh, yep. you know that's that's some that's some awesome stuff right there. And mm-hmm. uh, if you just want an old flashback to some good old reading on the toilet, uh, check out the old Marvel encyclopedias because they are that's that's lots of reading with lots of geeky knowledge for anybody who loves comics about characters. Oh, don't, <laughs> so. You are a guest after my own heart, pal. Rick, check um, the power level on uh, on the Hulk. See if oh, yeah, that, that's the stuff that I don't really care for. It's like, wow, someone had to sit there and it's definitely less than Watu. <laughs> um, uh, Rick's The Last Days of American Crime came out today from Radical. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to get well. that uh, this, so, this Friday, or I guess yeah. Yeah, maybe Monday because of holidays. Yeah, that's great. Check that out. Awesome. You can also, uh, um, I had a nice little half hour chit chat with Rick uh, this week on AC. 
So Excuse if you me. want to learn more about that, you can you can go over there and check that out. Well, and to our vast eleven o'clock community, Aristos <laughs> has uh, patented the eleven o'clo- the eleven o'clockers. Um, happy holidays, everybody, because yeah. you'll be listening to this episode either on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, or shortly thereafter. So hopefully you guys are having a great holiday season and uh, a great end to your year. We really appreciate, uh, we probably don't say it enough, but we appreciate, uh, as Val was saying with the He-Man thing, right, we really wouldn't be much of anything if, I mean, we'd still do the show even if it was just the four of us, but uh, with no one listening, but it's 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 flattering and, and pretty cool that uh, so many people do listen and, uh, and, and befriend us. So thanks a lot. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, and I'd, I'd like to say... Um you know, this is uh, this is actually the first podcast I have ever done, Yay. and um, I'm uh, I'm honored that it actually could be on 11o'clockcomics.com because, as far as I'm concerned, even though there are a lot of good podcasts out there, you be guys careful are, here, Val. No, you guys are <laughs> one of the, one of the best, and uh, I really appreciate that. It's um, I recommend you to everyone who wants to know more about uh, you know not only a, a well done show but uh, the history of comics and about learning about uh, different genres of comics and good comics. So. Um, you know, I'm glad I discovered your show, and I'm glad I could be on it. And also, uh, you know, you have a fantastic community there at 11 O'Clock Comics, and I'm looking forward to, to contributing more. I, I lurk a lot right now, but uh, I would like to contribute more, and I will be posting, you know, the things about the Transformer license, like I said, and the uh, instructional thing about the color, just so, uh, you know, if you're not a member of 11 O'Clock Comics Forum, you should get over there, register, and check this kind of stuff out. Yep. Cool. Cool. It's been Thank a pleasure, you. man. Yeah. No, yeah, likewise. Really, I, mean, yeah. I really appreciate. Absolutely. it. I'm sorry I stepped on you guys so many times, like I am right now. <laughs> hey, um, you, you are, are you, are you going to be relo- relocating here in the in the near future? Um, there was talk of it, but uh, like with me, everything's a mystery. I'm never sure if I'm going to do it or not. Now, I'm, <laughs> now I'm thinking about Texas rather than Michigan, so I don't know. Or Wisconsin, okay. sorry. So yeah, I was going to say you were looking Wisconsin, which would have put you up in our general neighborhood. It's it's so. uh, I'm I'm all I'm all over the place. I I I, uh, I I I I surrendered myself a long time ago to the idea that you only love once, and uh, you shouldn't uh, tie yourself down to any one thing or something for too long because there's just too much to see and enjoy in the very short time we have left. So go out and do it and enjoy it as much as you can while you can. We're here for a good time, not a long time. And hey, and while you're living and enjoying life, eleven o'clock comics is one of the things you should enjoy. Wow, I like that. Yeah, that was good. Awesome. You're a hype man. You're pure man. That's great. <laughs> nice. Money man. Yes. All right. Thank All right. you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, have a great holly, like Jason said, and go hug somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me. Yeah. Absolutely. As long as it's not David. <laughs> After seeing your Christmas card, Vince, I'm gonna. I'm gonna Looking forward to hugging your wife sometimes. Oh, God. You can hey, have uh, Hey. <laughs> Don't uh, take my kids. Take the wife. All right. <laughs> Thank you for being right, here. Guys. Next week. Say bye-bye. Bye. And remember, bye. remember, don't hit stop now. Keep listening. It's funny. Ho, ho, ho. And, it, and it's touching and it's good stuff. Bye. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm going to just sort of look at his line so I can get a better... Feel to mine. Uh, I'm sorry to hit that mic, but that's the way it is. <clears throat> so we're seeing the bags, and things are struggling, and I presume the chainsaw comes out through the bag, right? Okay. Um, okay, really? Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 la. That's the way it goes, right? Okay. Okay, right. Wait a minute. I was hiding in my bag and got the chainsaw. Right. I'm breaking out of the, 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 the bag with the chainsaw. Okay. You're right. 
I, I'm coming on like the Chainsaw Massacre. Is that correct? Okay. Can we? Is that free? Is that available? Okay. Okay. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Got it. Okay. Good. <clears throat> okay. Thick the halls with Bowser. Thick the halls with Bowser Holly. Ha! Fa la 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 la. Fa la la. Fa la la. Thick the halls with Bowser. Thick the halls with Bowser Holly. Thick the halls with Bowser. Oh, dick the balls. Tick the balls with with Bolly Holly. Dick the halls. I got it. Dick the halls with Bowser Holly. Fa la 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 la. Dick the balls with halls. With what? Bows. Dick the halls with bows of of folly. Dick the bows of with halls of with bows of folly. Dick the bows with hall with. Dick the bows with. Dick the halls with bows of holly. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think balls, halls of. Bows of, uh, halls of, with bows of holly, I think is funnier. And fa la la la, which we can use. Let me do some more fa la 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 la's, like I'm chasing. Fa la, fa la, la, la 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 la. Are you rolling? Fa la la, fa la 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 la, fa la 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 la, fa la la, fa la 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 la. As I'm chasing. Should we? You you want the other one? Dick, Dick, Dick. The halls with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 la. Fa la la la. Okay, you happy? Well, that doesn't work now, does it? Ah, let me do fa la 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 again. About for for three thirty seven. Yeah. Yeah. I'm moving on? Okay. In that case, let's move on. Yes? Is somebody coming with my coffee? Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Vince B. From now on, Peppy Mac will be inside. Have yourself a merry little niece man for you'd we'd go gay Christopher our troubles will be miles away for he as in olden days, J. 
Jason Wood's golden days of yore. Faithful friends who are dear to us, gather near to us once more. Through the years we all will be together. If David a prize allow, hang a shining star upon the highest bough, and have yourself. An eleven o'clock comic Christmas.